Give me the beat, boys, to free my soul. I ain't nothing but a job, so bro, time to drift away. <laughs> All right, so JJ and myself are here for our FanFest recap with Michael T.S. Herrick, our boy Drew Gehrig, and the king of FanFest himself, the guy responsible for all, all 10 CWF Legends FanFest, and great guy extraordinaire, Barry Rose. Barry, how are you? I'm good. It's going to be tough to beat when someone calls you the king. You know, it's at that point is where I say, guys, thank you so much for having me on the show. And <laughs> we'll have to do this again another time because uh, it's all down here from here, Chris. Has to be. Well, I mean, wait, wait till you hear the beaming accolades I keep upon Ozzy. I mean, that's <laughs> well, there you just go. me being nice. There you go, too. So, was, uh, I'll tell you what. It was, uh, I think Ozzy made it to... Jeez, I think as he made it to the Rock and Roll Express on. So that would be what? One, two, three, four. So Ozzy would have made it to four out of 10. That is when my separation divorce occurred and Ozzy was with me full time. Prior to that, I had been flying down for the fan fest and I would usually come in, but there was such a, you know, so much involved with it, with renting cars and flights. I love being able to get in the car and just make the drive and have Ozzy with me. And one of the highlights... And it was really funny. I was trying to book a couple days at Universal Studios after the Fan Fest. And I think I started pressuring Linda like the first day we're in Florida. I'm like, come on, call your work. Just get like two more days. We can do this. We can make this happen, <laughs> right? Unlike me, Linda has a really strong work ethic. Uh, she is by the book. She calls it right down the middle. And uh, yes, and she based and Drew, I was just doing that too. And she said, uh, you know, I can't do that, but we'll be living here soon enough. But one of the highlights with Fan Fest is that Ozzy gets to be around. That's what all this wrap up on that long, boring story. Ozzy gets to be around a lot of people, which is his absolute favorite thing on the face of the earth. And, uh, you know, just for him to, when I watch him, when he's running around and he's, you know, loves people, obviously not intimidated by large crowds and just loves it. And everybody loves him. And it's almost like, you know, I, I almost have that pride factor like you would with JJ, you know, like, like your dad would have with you or like, you know, Benji's got with Antonio. I have it with Ozzy, and I just love to see all the attention that he gets. It's a family affair, and I mean, I know Mike brought down his family and everything like that, and it's something special when you get to share that. I mean, I know Ozzy was in his glory, and Ozzy loved chasing them cats, man. I remember, I think it was Saturday afternoon, Linda didn't want to take Ozzy outside because it was so hot or something, and I said, okay, I'll take him. Well, you know, he found one of the stray cats in the bushes, man. He went freaking ballistic and giving me my workout. That's when Ozzy walked me as opposed to the other way around. Yes, it's true, buddy. Yeah, you know, he's such a good dog and he's so sweet and sensitive that you can be lulled into this false sense of security that, you know, yeah, he's almost 10, but at the same time, he's almost a hundred pounds. And if he wants to go, he's going to go. <laughs> like there's that, there are days, you know, like I'll be watching and I always, there are days when I'm walking him and I've got, I'm holding onto the leash and my eyes are just going. Cause if I know if he sees anything, he'll rip my arm right out of the socket. So I do have to be careful about that. There he is. 
the most handsome. Look at that handsome kid. Look at you, the champ. The champ is here. And we can well, see you, champ. He's so glad glad today, kid. About that. He's still a little myth. All he talked about Sunday morning was something called a dusty finish. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> the way he's staring right now, I'm taking personally as well. Because he, he literally <laughs> is looking right. Look at that yeah. stare. But uh, you know staring what? He is down. the champion. And uh, it's very exciting. The last CWF Legends Fan Fest champion ever. And we are going to donate <laughs> that belt to charity. And, you know, why don't we talk about that for a couple of minutes? There yeah. is a great event that is going to be taking place. And I'm going to pull it up right now. Uh, I believe it is. It is. It's the 22nd of July. It is uh, going to be a Newport Ritchie at the, you're going to like this one too, the Wendell Crin Technical High School. I don't know who Wendell Crin is, but he's got a technical high school named after him. <laughs> Doors open at five. Bell time is at six. This is an event and I have nothing other than I think this is a great event. It's, they're partnering with Warrior Wellness and essentially they're going to build 35 homes for vets. So they partner up. I think there's six to seven charities, which are all, all military related. They're putting on this big wrestling card and they're donating all proceeds so that they can build uh, build some homes for these veterans. I think that's such a great cause. At the same time, I was like, what am I going to do with this title now? I'm not a guy that keeps titles. So I'm going to give it to them so they can do it and they can donate it. I encourage if anybody listening is in the Tampa area, Newport Ritchie, anywhere down in the state of Florida, make your way. This is for a really good cause. With that, I have breaking news. I now have an official moving date for Florida, and that would be occurring just a few days earlier, the 17th of July. My skinny little white ass will be in my, my SUV, and I will be headed down to Florida. So I am super, super pumped. I appreciate it, guys. It has been, uh, obviously, you know, the thing is, too, I was taking a lot of ribbing at the Fan Fest from, I've known you guys, let's say five or six years, but people that have known me for 10 years have been, we're laying it on thick. Oh, you've been saying it for 10 years. You know what? It's fucking true. I have. So uh, it is going to happen. Linda and I last night sat down with a calendar. We looked and that is our official day. So plan to be in the car on the 17th. My daughter's birthday will be two days later. So I am going to see if she wants to come down with us and spend her birthday in Florida, and I am super pumped. With that, I have a second big announcement that I think is going to set the wrestling world. Hmm, I don't want to use the term on fire because there's so much of that shit going around now. Uh, yeah. But with that, as you know, we put the CWF Legends Fan Fest number 10, we put it to bed this past weekend, and uh, I am really excited and proud to say I am full-time partnering up with the captain, Nick Massey. Nick has been a, a close friend for many years. Nick and I have worked together. It's primarily, I work whenever Nick was at a convention. He's like, do you want to come? And I'm like, absolutely. But we've been talking about it. We had these really big plans prior to COVID, you know, and, and then start to think of how many times you hear, well, COVID fucked that up, right? Well, COVID really did fuck this up. We, uh, Nick and I wanted to run Pittsburgh on a Saturday and the Washington DC area on a Sunday. And we were going to caravan from both and we still may do it, but we are going to concentrate on our first show, which will be in the spring of next year. It's looking to be either March or April. I should know the date by next week. It will be in Daytona at the Hilton directly on the beach. And I could be no more excited. We have got some great names that are already attached to it. I'm waiting for one more to confirm before I can tell you who's going to be on top. But this will be a feud from the WWF from 
Mm, I'm thinking the 1980s, but I don't know for sure. However, this feud has never been done, and it was a tag team feud, and all four members of the tag team would be there. And there's going to be some current names, so it'll be a little different than what we did over at the CWF Legends Fan Fest. But with that, Nick and I are adamant <laughs> we we're going to retain that vibe. It's important for Nick and I that we don't we don't lose what the Fan Fest was about. And I'll tell you, and I I know I said yeah. this to a couple of you, and I may. I think I said it to Spiker, but there was a moment on Friday night and it was 1.30 in the morning and I'm Fonzie's at a table. He's at the table closest. I'm outside. I'm in the smokers area and Fonzie's at that first table. There are all three chairs are occupied and there are two people standing behind them. So he's entertaining a crowd of five and then Nord is on the bench where the, uh, the beverages are and he's got two pizza boxes on his lap. And <laughs> he's got a- Fantastic. It was. And he's got a crowd of 12 people around him. And I stood there and I called over Ben. I'm like, Ben, you just got to come watch this for a minute. I said, this is what the Fan Fest is. It's not about being in line to get an autograph and that. And that's great. I mean, that's all part of it, right? But the truth is, it's that interactive experience. And it's the fact that, you know, Chris Cole said he sat and talked with Nord for like three hours. And they talked about music and all this other stuff. And Nord was just, I mean, he was really at a different level when it comes to engagement. And uh, yes. it just, you know, watching that and Ben and I, we probably stood there for five minutes and we just watched it all. And I was like, that's it. And that's what I never want to lose with anything I'm ever involved with. That is the difference maker. And uh, Nick is right on board. So our goal is to get bigger talent, but to keep the event really small and to not go to the point where it turns into a, a line for Ric Flair that goes two hours. And, you know, we don't want to do that. We want it. We want to be able to have fun. And as you, you know, Aaron Grafton said it to me and I, you know, my God, is he the cutest human being on the face of the earth, by the way? But it, I literally, I'm fairly heterosexual, right? Like, but at the same time, I want to go fairly. up and hug. Yeah, fairly. But I want to go up and hold Aaron for like an hour. He just is literally the cutest human being. So Aaron, he was leaving on Sunday morning and he sees me and he goes, I'm so happy I ran into you. He goes, I was watching you in all your glory. And he's just going, and he's just so happy. And he he go and he goes, that's you were just made to do this. And he goes, you you had as much fun as anybody else in that room, if not more. You know what? That's the God's honest truth. These fan fests are self-serving. This is, it's designed by the way that I like it. And I don't want to stop. And, you know, the current, there were obviously reasons and factors. Obviously, my relationship with Penzer, uh, which I think Drew heard part of that was that, you know, my relationship with Penzer wasn't, hasn't been great for years. And the current economic environment Environment, it was impossible to continue to do what we did in Lutz unless we raised the prices dramatically. And that defeats the purpose at that point. So, you know, Nick and I had a kind of a good business plan and we we really took a look at it. And I feel really good and really confident. At the same time, you guys will be able to see wrestlers that you saw in the 90s and the 2000s that you truly liked. Um, so, yeah. So, we have some plans and I'm, I'm hopeful I can make an announcement shortly. A bigger announcement. Before we get too far away from this, I, I want to touch on John Nord and Aaron Grafton. One of those two pizza boxes that Nord had was a pizza that Aaron ordered that Drew and I and Aaron all had some of and he took the last slice over to Nord and he comes back to the table and sits down and he looks at me with the biggest smile on his face and says... I just fed Nord the Barbarian. I fed the Berserker. (laughs) 
It's like I, I suckled am. him at my teat. That's <laughs> just died. That is friggin' outstanding. So on a uh, other ship exclusive, for those of you just tuning in, because I know Barry likes to do this on Breaking Kayfabe, <laughs> we've just revealed that it's what? March or April of 2024, we're talking? Yeah, so it'll be March of April of yes. 2024. It will be where we want to, I'm going to, it's just going to be a big, I want to, right on the precipice of spring break. So we want to be on the cusp because spring break will bring a great vibe, but we also don't want it to be completely insane. So we're really working with, there's a wrestling referee from the 1980s and 90s into 2000s that worked for WCW in Florida by the name of Jimmy Jett. And Jimmy has been the GM of the hotel there for the last decade. So he's been super excited to do some sort of wrestling show at the hotel. And, you know, we've got plans. We want to, again, we want to do that small vibe. We want to do a live show, which would actually take place directly in the building, which is really exciting. So we're working on all these plans, but March or April, most likely March 2024 Daytona. I will tell you two names that will be involved 100% in this going forward. And odds are maybe every time Nick and I do something, Fonzie and Nord the Barbarian. It wasn't lost on me how Fonzie, I think, has been to eight of my 10 shows, but is still maybe the most requested name. And a lot of it has to do with, it's not the photo and the autograph, it's getting to fucking hang with Fonzie, right? Like, that's really it. So whether we went to his house or go out to eat with him, look, he's always been there for us. And he said, Daddy, you know, Daddy, I want to be a part of what's going on there, Daddy. And I said, Fonzie, you absolutely know it. Nord uh, called me my first day home and said, whatever you've got planned, that was the most fun weekend I have had in many years. And he truly loved it. And this is the beauty. You know, we take it for granted and, and maybe you guys don't see it the way that I see it. This is arguably the greatest group of pro wrestling fans that may have ever existed. And that is some heavy fucking words. And Drew's got a smile, but I got, I'm really going to quantify that. I've been around since I'm old. Hi, right? I fart dust. I've been around since 1971. I went to the WFI. Sure, please, Chris, please. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but if you fart dust, what does that make Greg good do then? Poor Greg. Greg is Greg is like hooked up to like some sort of machine to keep you know. Though I will say, I think we were sitting out there Saturday night and it was like two thirty, and Greg's still out there. I'm like, Greg, I oh, got yeah. to bed. Oh yeah, exactly right. Fucking Greg's like ready to go all night. I Getting back him. to it, you don't you don't want to interrupt my train of thought when I'm going to kiss some ass here, Chris. All right, yeah. this. <laughs> This truly is arguably the greatest group of wrestling fans. And, and the way that I can quantify that is I was around in, uh, you know, the old first off the old fan club days. I ran Mark fan clubs, Rocky Johnson, Billy Robinson, Tommy Siegler. When your only line of communication was snail mail and after magazines and things like that, you know, and you would do a wrestling newsletter, but it, it was different. Then I moved into the WFIA, which was the Wrestling Fans International Association. I went to three three of their conventions. Then I was part of uh, the the newsletter situation, which, you know, we put out, Jeff and I did a newsletter in the 90s, transitioned over into the internet. But I've been a lot of, around a lot of different groups of wrestling fans. And at no point is there as great a group as whether it's brothership, mothership, othership, or whatever else is out there. It doesn't exist. And I truly say that from the bottom of my heart, but it, I'm not the only one who recognizes that. Like, that's the other key. Nord 
recognize that. Nord said that to me. He's like, fuck, man, I can't believe it. Everybody's knowledgeable, but nobody's a wise ass. You know, I, it, he just, he went on about the respect level, but the sincerity of everybody that was there. And that's the key because there was nobody on their knees blowing anybody. Like, you know, we treated Nord like he was our friend and he fucking loved it. Like, that's what the key was. Right. And Fonzie's the same way. Fonzie, I think over the lunch at Hooters, I believe Fonzie stood up at the table and even said it out loud and said, you know, you guys are a great group. I love you all. This is a respectful group and we're respectful, but it isn't like, you know, we have to do anything out of the ordinary. We're wise asses too, right? But there's that respect level. The wrestlers see it the same way that we do. And, you know, when you get in large groups, you know, obviously you guys are in the other ship because there might be some people in other groups that irritate you. That's a fact, right? It's not the biggest deal. It's the way it goes. In yeah. wrestling, when you get these large groups, you're always going to have it. But look at this core group. Like, look at the people that were there on Saturday. Everybody's great. There was a hundred fucking people there, right? Everybody's great. Everybody's having a good time. I honestly, I'll go to my grave unless something happens next week or six months down the road. This might be the greatest group of wrestling fans I've ever seen. I concur. I'm pretty great. Well, that's, I was <laughs> speaking specifically Agreed. to you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, no, but I think you're right in a sense that the majority of the group has a, a true appreciation for wrestling's history and also appreciates where wrestling's going. It's it's not the uh, the I hate new wrestling group and it's not the, you know, wrestling should be on the mat kind it's of thing. You know? Just people that want to have fun and, you know, yeah. we get it. We get a chance. It's not argumentative at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. And, and part of it, Drew, when you look at it, is that, you know, it's not every day that we're going to have the chance to go to Fonzie's house, right? <laughs> and like cut that promo and things like that don't occur. And, and yet everyone was great. You know, a lot of times there's always that one guy you got to worry about, like, you know, and yes, Flaherty was there. So, yes, the one guy was there. <laughs> but, but to that end, right, everybody behaved and it worked out. And Fonzie's like, Daddy, whatever it is. And look, Friday night, Fonzie's there. He's it's two o'clock in the morning. Fonzie's not booked that, you know, he's not doing he's just there. He's just there to hang. And that's because of you guys. That's exactly it. I'll actually never forget driving back from the show. We're, we're sitting there in the car. It's loaded. It's like me and Mac and Jamie, or no, Jamie did not ride back with us. Harold and Benji and Jeremy, and all of a sudden, Fonzie calls. Fonzie's trying to FaceTime me while I'm driving. And, <laughs> and here's because he was trying to put my number in his phone. And he's like, yeah, daddy, he goes, sorry about that. It's Fonzie. I said, I just wouldn't think I was blowing you off. He goes, no, daddy. He goes, you and I are friends now. So I'm saving my number. He goes, next time you're in town or next time I'm working a show near you, daddy, he goes, let me know. We definitely have to do dinner. And he reiterated that Saturday after meeting JJ and Christine. He told that to Christine too. He took a real, a real liking to Linda as well. <laughs> it was, there were times I would go and he's got his hands all over her and, and she's having, you know, she's had a little fun. She's smiling about it, but Fonzie, <laughs> Fonzie invited us as we look for a place to come and stay with him in his guest room. And I was like, I don't know, Linda, that, that, that could be tempting uh, my friendship yeah. with Fonzie right there, but, but he really is. Look, he's a warm guy and, you know, he told me his, his logic and his rationale, you know, many years ago. And I'll say this, you know, Fonzie, Fonzie would come to a lot of the fan fest and wouldn't require any sort of payment. And he just wanted to be a part. And I would be, you know, I, part of me always felt guilt at times about that. And I'd be, you know, Fonzie, why, you know, why, why do you want to do it? And he goes, daddy, I like being around the fans. I like being, I like keeping my name out there and I like to be relevant. And he, it made a lot of sense. With that, I started paying Fonzie just because anybody that's willing to come do it for free means I got to pay them. You know, it's like, oh, if you're willing to do 
that for me, it's like, fuck, I can't, you know. So I've paid Fonzie the last few times because he's just so warm and inviting. But Nord was the real takeaway from, because I didn't know what to expect. And obviously, I know a few has probably listened to the podcast, Crime and Sports, the Nord episode. And I didn't know what to expect. And Nick said prior, Nick has had a great relationship with John for uh, several years at this point and basically said, you know, he was kind of tailor made for what you guys do, but he really undersold Nord to me. Like I didn't get it. And I think my first 10 minutes with Nord, I truly got it. It's like, holy shit, this guy, he's one of those guys. And I think I described Larry Zabisco like this when the last time we were on, on the other ship podcast, where Larry had this innate ability within five minutes of making you feel like he was a long lost friend. And Nord was the same way. You just had to spend like five minutes with Nord and it's like the brother I never knew I had. So happy to say that Nord and Fonzie will both be a part of everything that we'll be doing. Can we get a sequel to which I've seen you do a lot of these fan fests, but you were just sitting up there with Jerry Briscoe, not not Jack as Benji stated, because I still want to know how that would happen. And, <laughs> and Steve Kern for a sequel to their Q&A, because let me tell you, man, you were just so happy just to be standing up there. And they were so much fun. I had a wet spot in front of my jeans. I don't know if you saw that, but that's... <laughs> they were just so much fun. And Steve, it was my first time meeting Steve Kern. And let me tell you, just a nice 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 man and his yeah. book is great by the way i'm about five chapters in yeah i and actually actually, actually i started digging in too yeah and he actually tells some fun stories about jack and jerry in the first part of the book and uh what's his name uh ricky gibson getting him in some, some trouble and it's just such a fun and you can tell it's very conversational you know the tone he tells very detailed about a lot of stuff and i just i i loved it like i love the camaraderie you could tell even when they're sitting at their table kind of chiming each other back and forth it was really fun yeah, let's, let's come back to Ricky Gibson in just a moment, too. But uh, but the answer to that, Chris, is an absolute yes. So the the idea would be there are certain wrestlers that I have relationships with. Steve Kern, Jerry Briscoe, Fonzie, you know, Cuban Assassin, uh, Barry Horowitz, Leilani Kai. So there are certain people that, you know, I, I could work with at any point that will work with me, that understand exactly what we're doing. You know, nothing has to be said. And then Nick's got his people as well. So our idea is to merge those two. But with Jerry and Steve, you know, I brought Jerry up to Philly uh, two months ago for an autograph signing, which will be the second time I've done that in uh, the last couple of years. And, you know, Steve, I talk to Steve at least once a week. And it's and I should say I can talk and I can dominate conversations. But when I talk with Steve, Steve's the one talking for like 25 minutes and I'm just sitting back soaking it all up uh, and doing it. So guys like Steve and uh, Jerry Briscoe and, you know, just all those names I mentioned, you'll be seeing them. And then the idea is to mix in current guys. You know, maybe it's a Kevin Nash. And, and I'll, I'll tell you why I bring up Kevin Nash. I know, Drew, I see you raising the eyebrow. So the reason I bring up Kevin Nash is it's twofold. You know, with a fan fest, you always want to run it as a business as well because you don't want to lose money. It isn't about how much I make. It's really, I just, I can't lose, which is what it's all about. And Kevin Nash lives about 20 minutes away from that hotel. And it is directly across the street. I mean, directly across the street from the Ocean Center. So Nick and I start going. And then I should say, Jimmy Jett said, you know, if you guys want to do a tour of the Ocean Center, the GM is a good friend. I'll get you a tour where we can lead a group of people through the Ocean Center. And then I said, what if Kevin Nash leads a tour through the Ocean Center talking about Hogan? Nick said, great idea. Jimmy Jett said, great idea. I just need Kevin Nash now to say, great idea. And if that happens, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
So, but if that happens, that's where we're at. So, you know, Kevin Nash is right there. Uh, Jimmy Hart is right there. Uh, which is somebody, you know, Bugsy McGraw, Jack Victory is right there. Gary Michael Capetta is right there. Mad Maxine is right there. So there's a, even though we've been able to pull from Tampa, now there's this whole group over in that area between Daytona and Jacksonville. So uh, we're going to pull from there as well, as well. Kurt Angle, absolutely somebody that we're thinking of bringing in. And imagine like the Kurt Angle experience that if we do what we do, the concept that you guys know, but do it with Kurt Angle, that'd be pretty fucking awesome. Awesome, I think. We're getting nearly to put Flaherty in an ankle lock. <laughs> What'd you say, Chris? We haven't put Flaherty in an ankle lock. Absolutely. And then, as as Drew just said, we'll get we'll tell Neely that he's a drunk jabroni, so Neely can go up and pants him. And then, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it, we have a lot of plans and a lot of ideas, and I'm just uh, I'm super excited. But that Briscoe current thing was a big deal to me. And as a little kid, I started going, and I I started going in 1971 to see professional wrestling live. And by 1973, I was a regular at least once a week on Wednesday nights. I saw essentially if not all, at least the majority of Steve Kern and Jerry Briscoe in the state of Florida. You know, I, I probably saw 90% of their Florida career, if not even higher than that. So for me, it, that was a big deal to be able to host that and to be able to be behind them and, and have those conversations. I also want to give a shout out to our boy, uh, Captain Nick, who remembered me from the conversation we had four years ago and was, is a tremendous guy. I mean, him and I chance caught up he's gonna be a future guest on our show here as well you know just a great guy check out his all of his captain corner stuff dude is tremendous and i can't wait for what you guys got going on too now this is even yeah. better i mean he was really excited about it too when we were talking about it saturday night He's a look, Nick is a great guy and he gets really involved in making sure that a, his event is going to be what it should be. And he wants to deliver, you, know, you never hear a bad word about the guy. He wants to deliver a great product to the consumer. And, you know, that for me, it's always been a real bone of contention at some of these fan fests, how fans are treated and how they're spoken to, you know, by the promoters and the people. I just, I'm shocked by it. And, uh, you know, Nick is the complete opposite. And I trust Nick. This can be a shady, as I had to deal with a con man, which some of you saw that post, there are shady people out there. And, you know, it affects me. It affected Judy Martin. It affected Leilani Kai, what that fucking asshole was doing. So this is a, a different situation. I, I would, you know, I know that it, I could lay down in front of a moving car. And if Nick's driving the car, he's stopping. And I'm not sure Penzer would stop. So you know, it's a little different. Which, speaking of uh, the Glamour Girls, Mac was real excited to meet them. And then, you know, he's holding JJ for the photo. And Leilani Kai goes, no, 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 give him here. Give him here and pretty much took him away from dad for the photo. It's pretty great. Yeah. So. JJ got some great photo ops. I'll tell you that. That I thought was super cool was the photo ops that JJ got. And certainly he's not going to appreciate him today or tomorrow, but I'm hopeful in 20 years, JJ will look back and go, holy fucking shit. Like my parents yeah. were the fucking shit taking me to wrestling cons he, as a little baby. Nordy remembered him at the very end of the night. Like I went up to him and say, thanks for coming out. And he goes, Hey, he goes, you have a beautiful family. He goes, God bless you. He goes, take care of that. He had some baby boy. And then he proceeded to tell me a story about when he was working the undertaker, which you guys want to feel with that was the year Christine was born. And he was telling the story. He goes, my son's sitting there in the front row and he goes, undertaker goes for the choke slam finish, choke slams me. And apparently as soon as he hit the mat, he had to give a little hand signal to his son that he was okay. And his son just started crying, like bawling, like hysterically. So imagine, Blackjack Lanza in a suit having to run over and pick this crying boy up and explain to him that daddy was okay. <laughs> 
And he goes, man, he goes, I wish somebody would have had footage of, you know, Blackjack Lanford holding my son, pointing at dad in the ring, saying, no, he's okay, he's okay. So then apparently later on in the back, you know, he got to the back and Undertaker and told him that, no, he didn't really hurt his dad, everything was fine. And so uh, it was sudden that, that was just really cool. We took the time out to say, no, God bless you, hopefully we'll cross paths again. And now it sounds like we're going to. So I'll, I'll tell you, my, my favorite Nord stories, there were a couple, but when he started doing the Dusty Rhodes impersonation, the impression of Dusty. I, I loved it. I did love the muffler story, which I had <laughs> never heard before. And really, I had I, never heard it. Had you had heard it? Oh, uh, yeah, dozens yeah. times. I've heard Nord like on a YouTube video from a shoot interview or something. Tell never paid attention. I don't because I never watched a Nord interview. So I had never, I know it's in his Rolodex of stories because I found out afterwards. But I love that story. But I went to Publix on Sunday. I got the, I got a pub sub with chicken tenders and it's fucking the greatest thing ever on the face of the you earth. I wonder if Aiden made it for him, Drew. If who? So uh, Thursday night, Drew and I went to Publix because Drew never been and there was a guy behind the counter that looked like he hated everything to begin with <laughs> okay. he makes Drew a sandwich and then I ask him for a salad and a sandwich too and Barry I mean I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I could have gone back there and done it quicker myself this kid just looked like he hated everything I think Drew did about four laps around the store by the time I got the salad and the sandwich and I'm pretty sure if he was a little bit faster and I mean not, not the shit on the guy you know whatever it's hard to find good help but I'm pretty sure that's how we got caught in the store that was going on outside that really nasty storm Thursday night. And we're just sitting there in the rental car and we're sitting there looking at the rental car and we have our stuff and we're just sitting there looking and he goes, you know what? That kid got his revenge for us work and, and we're standing here <laughs> in the south watching it rain. The kid who took care of me, his name was Josh. And I'll tell you what I liked about the kid. I know there's, like a, a there's, an, there's an irony there. There's an irony. and uh, But the kid, well, it, it, he was a different race first off, but yeah, same name. But the kid, it wasn't even, I don't know he was even a kid. I guess he was a young man in a sense, but he made the chicken tender sub for me. But then he said, and I thought this was like what customer service is. He goes, we usually put four on a sandwich, but it makes the sandwich too big. And he's right. He goes, why don't I just give you the extra tender on the side? And I was like, wow, like that's customer service. Because you know, Augie, Ozzy's going to be there begging to get my food anyway. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did. But I, you know, great public's experience and it be. Where was I going with this, by the way? I somehow got sidetracked. I was going to Publix and, oh, I know what it was. So I was in the bake. Yes, Nord. I was in the bakery and I was picking up cookies for Zoe. They have a Heath Bar crunch type of cookie and they're out of this God. world. Oh, yeah. They're fucking great. And then there was a box of danishes with cheese and fruit. And immediate, like, you know, I look at Linda. I'm like, you know, baby, a man's got to get his pastries, baby. <laughs> you know that. And I'm doing, I'm doing John Nord doing Dusty Road in the middle of Publix, so <laughs> good times. I can use these pastries for a new muffler. I was going to say, I, I thought maybe it was the colors of the pastries that made you think <laughs> or the muffler story. I wasn't sure there. Yellows, browns, greens. <laughs> and that's what he said, yeah, exactly, which is uh, just, yeah, God, I, you know, I mean, I've had some, just, I've had some yeah, it's had some funky shit go down, but uh, I don't know about green in my underwear. That, that's at a different <laughs> level. <laughs> I mean, that was great. I mean, the whole weekend, I mean, from, you know, everybody getting together Thursday night and 
doing, you know, our collective things Thursday night and then Friday, you know, Friday, the gig at Fonzie's house, which was like incredible. And then Friday night, the wrestling show, I thought was really well put together. It was great because I saw a lot of those guys milling around on Saturday, got a chance to talk to them and, you know, say, hey, um, you know, great job. And tell you what, the Hagas was freaking awesome, both in person and watching the ring there. I mean, not to mention you saved our boy from getting beat down in the main event. But yeah, he's a legitimate badass too. it. Well, anybody who was at the last wrestling event, event prior to that will tell you uh when he beat the crap out of that kid so he is a legitimate badass and uh he actually it, it was all tied in together that was the whole idea of that angle on friday night and then cahagas being there on saturday as well so this was something that we had in the works uh for probably three weeks prior and I did not tell a soul what was going to take place that night, including the lovely Linda who was sitting next to me. So it was all a shoot. Nobody had, you know, nobody knew. But I got to tell you, I had that was the first time I'd ever done something like that. And I actually had a lot of fun as a, you know, an older Mark. That, that was a real highlight for me as well. And, uh, I'm sure that uh, Tokyo Monster Cahagas is listening. I would like to implore him to bring his offense up to a higher level with a high powered move such as the claw. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take a moment and put Linda over. I talked to her a little bit back in November at FanFest 9, but Thursday night she came over and sat at our table and she just fell right in with us. You know, she caught on to inside jokes we were making very quickly. She was quick with comments of her own and she was just awesome to hang out with. Super phenomenal. You've got yeah. a good one. And I appreciate that too. And she actually, uh, she had mentioned that she had spent some time with you, Big Mike, and uh, you guys were talking and she spent time with a bunch of people and the beauty, you know, it was, it's a funny thing. I, uh, I, I tend to be very independent and to probably my own detriment. And I never invited my ex to one fan, not that I think she would have come, but I also never invited her to one fan fest and Linda expressed interest right away. And it was very weird for me. It was like, how do I merge these two worlds here? And how does it work? And as you can see, it, it's just in seamless mix. It was like, you know, I didn't have to hold her hand all weekend and entertain her. She was able to go off on her own, jump into groups and, and talk to people. And she she loves you guys so much. And she loves you guys. There's a couple of reasons. One is uh, a, you were, everybody was extremely welcoming to her. But again, th this goes back to when I call you guys the greatest group of wrestling fans. There is an honest, genuine sincerity that's there. And everybody was just great to her, made her feel welcome. And at no point did she feel like, you know, she felt like she had known everybody forever. So I appreciate that. And uh, as I say, she's way too good for me, uh, which is the God's honest truth. So, but I'm very thrilled that she will be joining me in Florida. That's awesome. The fact that she wants to know that side of you is incredible. Yeah. Yes. And that's it. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great point as well, because uh, the ex, you know, and this is not a knock on the ex, right? At all. It just that the ex really didn't ever really want to learn anything about that world. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't falter, you know, I just think it takes a special person to really want to jump in and be a part of it. And that was one of Christine's highlights of the weekend was getting to hang out more with Linda. I mean, they've always been, had a really good relationship. And Linda's like, no, she goes, you guys need to come visit when we move down. She goes, Christine, I can hang out and do yoga together. And, and, you know, and Christine was so like tickled, you know, especially with Linda and JJ in the pool. And that was, you know, and, and for me, you know, the fact that Christine, again, Christine knows everybody. And well, she knows a lot of the people just from me talking to everybody on a pretty much daily basis. But, you know, the fact yep. they got to spend more time together. It was a beautiful sight. I walked out to the pool and I think that was Friday afternoon. And Linda's in the pool with your lovely wife, Christine, and JJ. And 
JJ's floating on his back, Max there. And JJ was so calm. Like you could, that kid took to the water like no one's business. I mean, just yeah. really was so calm. And on the other side is Antonio. And Antonio's yeah. got the full display of SpongeBob toys. And I got to tell you, it was uh, one of those moments for me also. Like I just looked at it and go, wow, this is, that was just really just a cool moment to be able to see that. And Benji's incredible family. Yeah. Benji's incredible family. Shout out to Mackenzie and Tammy for being awesome and very welcoming too. You know, I Absolutely. ran into them Saturday afternoon. Ran into them Saturday afternoon. They're like, hey, we're only three hours apart. You know, we should really get together more often. Oh yeah. You know, you just say when, you know. You talk about great people too. And, you know, it obviously, you know, raising a special needs child, I don't have to go through any of that, but it could be really tough on a family. And, um, oh, yeah. you know, you, you know, a lot of families would divorce, the stress, etc. That family, the way that they came together uh, and the love for Antonio that you see, it's it's the model of what it should be. And, yep. you know, you could say about the parents, but, you know, the sister, his sister, Mackenzie, she's essentially a third parent and she loves it and she relishes it. I can't say enough good about that family. That to me, those guys are really something else. They have my and ultimate my respect. Photo, my favorite photos from the weekend, I think it was Saturday morning. Michael's holding JJ and Antonio sitting right next to him. Yeah, I saw it. And I saw it. Such, yeah. such an awesome photo. I'm like, man, I go with that. And people are like, man, Mike's the luckiest dude in the world right now. There was that one photo where, where JJ's on the floor and Drew's got the claw on him and he's, you know, giving him the evil, uh, the evil Nazi grin, but... Yeah, <laughs> told me to do that. By the way, now, now I'm the heel. <laughs> I am guilty. That's sometimes okay. JJ will go for that, and some, sometimes he won't. And now it's just one of those times he's like, "No!" But then Uncle Mikey comes running over. It's okay, JJ, come here. <laughs> it's a book I'm working on: the claw and the art of motorcycle mechanics. <laughs> the one guy I think it was after the cruiserweight title match Friday night. He came into the match, and Drew kept going, "Do the claw." And the guy's like, "No, I guess I don't do the claw." Props to the guy. No, JJ, he's not giving you the claw, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> And then on the way out, the guy looked over at Drew and he goes, you know what? He said, I have to remember that for next time. So do you guys remember the German wrestler Krieger who was at the card on Friday night? And his finisher is the claw. So he was going to come to FanFest in full costume, full gear on Saturday and cut a promo with Von Raschke and then use that too for right. And But unfortunately, real life, his day job got in the way and he had to go to work, so which sucks. But yeah, he was scheduled to be there in the full German gear and they would do it in Von Raschke too. I mean, here's a guy like you, you could talk about wrestling legends and, you know, everybody's a legend, right? Or nobody's a legend, but fucking Von Raschke's like a real legend. Like there's no debating. This guy is a legend and still a badass. Like the fact that he he fell over once, he almost fell over multiple times, yet he wouldn't sit during the dinner, though we were encouraging him to sit. He still wouldn't sit. He's like, I'm much more comfortable if I stand. And I think the mentality is he comes from that generation. He's a badass, like he's a tough guy. But having Von Raschke there at almost 83 years old, was it, that was just incredible. To me, that was just a really, really incredible way to go out as well. And Gary Michael Capetta, my God. Gary Michael Capetta might have been the smartest guy that I've encountered, other than you, you three, obviously, but might have been the smartest guy <laughs> that I've encountered in quite a while. Really bright guy. And when he started off his segment, what a genius. 
you know, how, so what, what, in, what got you involved in profession? And you didn't want to know the match. You wanted to know what was the circumstance that got you involved. Yeah. And it all, why did he do it? Because it all revolved essentially around family and some family member, in most cases, fathers or grandfathers. And it was very smart. Uh, but he's, I just like, what a revelation he was as well. He was great. Oh, and just a great guy to talk to. Like I'm close to, I asked him, I said, Hey, I said, I said, so you're the guy who I'm most identify with doing the sting interview. Can you still do it? He goes, well, not here and not right now, but if you catch me later, I did not get a chance to catch him later, but it sounds like I'll try again next year. <laughs> so. Well, there you go. So he knows he, next year. There you go. He's, he's already making plans. So I love that too. And he is, he's a guy that's really engaging. And uh, I, I think, you know, as Nick and I were looking at it, well, like, you know, instead of me doing all that stuff, you know, over in this corner, you got, you know, this person's whatever, we'll have Gary and Michael Capetta do it. Like he should be the one doing the introductions and, and announcing who the talents are and what's going on. So Howard Finkel used to do that. There was an event that took place in New Jersey and I think still does. It just not at the level it once was. It called uh, Legends of the Ring. And Howard Finkel for years would walk around maybe once every half an hour with a microphone and just go up to the vendors or the wrestlers. And it was great. It kept the energy flowing and stuff like that. Maybe Gary's our guy to do that for, for Nick and myself. That would be cool. I, I was going to say, I think us old WCW fans would mark out just a little and even old WWF fans would probably mark out for that GMC just walk around the yeah I think so too and he and he, here's another guy just such a nice guy and you know just happy to be included and he came to me after and said I think I had as much fun as anybody in the room that night and he meant it that wasn't just somebody just telling me a line in some sort he truly had you know and so I'll tell you this do you guys stay for the entire Gary and Michael Capetta experience yes it's supposed to be yes. 45 minutes and he wound up going 90 and he wound up going 90 by his choice because I looked at him once and I, I said we're in an hour and he said he gave me like yeah we're fine and he wound up going an additional 30 minutes just because he was having that good of a time. I would put him right up there with Ray Lloyd Glacier for the best after parties of the five that I did. I think those guys are right there neck and neck. Were you there for Bill Apter? I was. So Bill Apter, what I liked about Bill Apter's, I think, was the energy. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't the content. You know, but I don't think that matters. But it, to me, it's Bill's passion and energy. Bill's still a 12 year old kid. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, I had lunch literally, Bill works literally six minutes from me. So we had lunch uh, right before the fan fest. And that's Bill. Like, what you saw, it's the same guy. There's no difference whatsoever. He's always this 12 year old boy that's still a gigantic fan when it comes to pro wrestling. And I love that energy. I think Gary Michael Capetta from a knowledge and holding my interest standpoint might be at the very top because I was blown away by what he did. I like the one with Bob Roop and Bob Orton Jr. because they were talking so much about Florida and ICW that I really was able to dig into it. But so let me ask you this, Mike, you've been to five. Drew, you've been to two. Spiker, three? Yes. Okay. What? Okay. So like, Mike, why don't we go with you? You've been to five, which would be the most. What was your favorite segment of any, whether it was morning, dinner, or the after party? What was your favorite segment? Jerry Jarrett's cup of coffee probably Excellent. was the best out of everything. I mean, Barry Windham and J.J. Dillon, that one held a real soft spot for me because I'm a big uh, Horseman fan. Their dinner was very good. But yeah, I, I mean, I could have listened to Jerry Jarrett for three or four more hours. And that was, was a, 
Yeah, that that was a missed opportunity with the chicken salad. Yeah. And he said that. He goes, well, when I come back, I'm going to do the chicken salad. And we actually were sitting at his table going, so we're going to put a table in front. We'll lay out all the ingredients. And, you, right. and he was all on board with doing it. And then, of course, uh, you know, the evil people continue to live and somebody like Jerry Jarrett gets taken from us, right? But that was uh, a bum. Drew, what about you? What was your segment, uh, your favorite segment of what you saw? Uh, demolition. That was probably my favorite. Yeah, they were great. <laughs> Nothing, uh, no true revelations or anything, but it was just, I don't know. I always liked them. I liked Mass Superstar a lot, and it was just cool. Yeah. They were honest they, also. They, like they, were, they talked about any and everything, and it was awesome. Yeah, and that's big. Sometimes you get a guest, and you may have to prod them a bit and get them going. And uh, no, Demolition, just right out of the gate, seemed like warm and ready to answer questions. How about you, Chris? My default answer is Ricky Steamboat. That was some of the best two hours as a wrestling fan I've ever spent was just listening to him talk because I grew up watching him in WCW and watching. I didn't realize till later on how epic those matches with him and Flair would be. And then just hearing, you know, him just talk about everything with his Japan days. But Kern and Briscoe, like I said, the friendship between Kern and Briscoe and just such a natural like chemistry there was special to me too. And getting to watch a guy I hold in very high regard just sit there and moderate it was also really cool because I could tell how much it meant to him. And, you know, those two, I mean, Capetta was really good too. You know, I mean, one of those by if I had to choose one, I'd say Steamboat because Steamboat was just captivating. Steamboat and might have he, been. And, the, and he doesn't do a lot of those. He doesn't. I don't think he'd ever done something like that before or even since. And unfortunately, he's aligned himself with an agent, one of the agents I believe I trashed a few months ago. So with that, <laughs> uh, yeah. And he doesn't, Steamboat's thing, he put out, I guess, a notice a few months back. He's not going to fly anymore. So he's Ooh, living in Knoxville. He doesn't want to fly. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of uh, things that are so I, I got to see what the distance is between Knoxville and Daytona and see if we can make that work but his segment was really special and Steamboat I don't think was a guy that we ever looked at as wrestling fans that we ever looked at him as a guy a great promo guy great in ring worker right. flawless yeah. in what he did a lot but his promos were I don't think they were believable and all of a sudden Ricky Steamboat has 75 people in the palm of his hand where he's telling a story and it's a thrilling story then it's an emotional story and then he starts to tear up and cry a little bit and then he's making everyone laugh right after which is really the sign of a great storyteller right when they can hit on all these emotions so Steamboat was a real revelation and that story he told about his mother going back to Japan for the first time since World War II was really fucking powerful. The most powerful moment for me was something we did the first, I think we stopped after Hiro Matsuda. And what we used to do is we used to, we used to do the official inductions in the CWF Hall of Fame. And we had done the Hall of Fame for years in, in the CWF group, but then we decided to give somebody something and like an official plaque or something. So it was the first time we had ever inducted a tag team and the Briscoe brothers got voted in. And it was legit. This isn't me deciding. This was an actual vote, uh, as absurd as all that sounds. And the Briscoes got inducted into our Hall of Fame. So, and let me quantify that our Hall of Fame is a virtual Hall of Fame. It does it exist? It exists if it exists in our mind. It, there's no brick and mortar building or anything else. So the importance is really determined on by an individual. So and that isn't lost on me at all. Like I get that. So we inducted Jack and Jerry, and as we were inducting, we gave the mic to Jerry. He started to cry, and it was like you know. 
it's like Jerry Briscoe's crying about this. And he went through it. I, I've asked Bobby, and I don't know if Bobby recorded it or if this has just been lost, but he said an award like that means the absolute most than any other award would mean. He said, I could be in the WWE Hall of Fame, but I'm in there because the McMahon family chose to put me in there. He said, when people who paid money, when people who had to work and dig ditches, you know, five days a week, just to earn enough money to, to get on a bus to come and see me and pay five bucks to see me. When those kind of people vote that we meant something to them, he said, that's the absolute greatest thing that could ever happen. That is the highest level of acceptance. And that's what it, you know, he was really taken aback with that. And again, you know, I'm sitting there going, you know, in my head, I know, look, it doesn't, you know, it's a hall of fame because I say it is, but it's not right. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? It's not really hall of fame in a lot of ways, but to Jerry Briscoe, that acknowledgement by people who had paid money to see him meant more than any other acknowledgement he had gotten. And, and that, that really said a lot to me. I was really taken aback. So I would pray that there would be something out there. I, the Rocky Johnson cup of coffee was a big deal. And, you know, I had a relationship with Rocky, you know, despite any information that came out about Rocky, you know, he was still essentially a family member to me and has been for years. And uh, to be able to do the cup of coffee with him some six weeks before he died was a, a really big deal. So, you know, I, I leave after 10 fan fests and, and I should say the assassin, Jody Hamilton, when we, we started this, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. You know, we clearly had no idea and we were learning and we were doing dinner with Jody Hamilton. He, that was our main event that night. And as it turned out, because we had never done this, Bugsy McGraw said, can I stick around? And the Cuban assassin, Nick Patrick, Tony Marino, a lot of the guys that were there said, can we stick around during the dinner? And a lot of them sat on the same table as the assassin. So we went from having one dinner guest to having like five or six just because they asked. And that was a, that was a pretty cool fucking moment as well. Yeah. well. That should speak to you guys carrying on not only Florida wrestling history, but wrestling history in general. I mean, we keep losing guys left. I mean, hell, today, a couple hours before this, we lost the Iron Sheik. And apparently I just read that the gambler passed away not that 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 big of a deal but so we're losing okay. guys yeah what yeah one of my favorite one of the great 90s enhancement talents in yeah, WCW. Yeah. yeah he was yeah. he was interesting too and i think he was actually a good worker was the other aspect yeah, of it. yeah. <laughs> i had an anderson look to him you know yeah he did, yeah, he, he, did. He, he was glacier's first wcw opponent that's how i always remember him but beyond seeing him on tv every week he was glacier's first wcw opponent so we bring up a really good point in that we've had nine nine guests from the fan fest pass away in the last six years. So when you start looking at you know the assassins one, Tony Marino, Rocky Johnson, Stu Schwartz, there's quite a few. And it's sad. At times I would look at a photo and like Ricky Hunter was the guy that Ricky Hunter was the gladiator and was a, a great worker for so many years and was kind of lost in the national expansion. You know, it was over at that point. He'd wound up doing jobs and refereeing. But prior to that, Ricky Hunter had been a big star wherever he went. And by the time the time we started the fan fests around 2010, 2015, in that era, Ricky was living in an assisted living facility over in Clearwater and having no contact with anybody. And one day, you know, he was friends with Scott 
Scott McComb. And, you know, Scott said, is it cool if I bring Ricky? I'm like, you know, fuck, please. And we'll pay him even. And he goes, no, Ricky doesn't want any money. He just wants to come and be a part of it. And I was like, we'll pay him, you know? And we did. We had him three times and we paid him. But, you know, there was a lot of these guys too that like Stu Schwartz was another one close to 90 years old and at the tail end of his life. And, you know, nobody remembers who he is. And all of a sudden comes to a fan fest and he's like, like Hulk Hogan to that crowd, right? So it was a big deal. So, you know, we lost nine talents in six years and we lost a few fans on the way. You know, we talk about the brothership and the othership and guys like Joe Christie that we lost, but we had a guy named Daryl Filer that was, he was at the first two fan fests and he was the biggest cheerleader we had. I mean, this guy was just, he would message me every day. He was so excited. There was such an enthusiasm and he showed up with his wife and his daughter at the first fan fest. And then between the second and third fan fest, he wound up passing away. And it was unexpected. I think it was a heart attack, completely unexpected. Not an, he was in his 40s, not an older guy. And, you know, we were just kind of taken aback. And we decided actually, uh, we called Brian Blair and we took his money for the ticket and we donated it to the Cauliflower Alley Club just so that they could do something with it. So sad, you know, it's it, it, time doesn't wait. We're all getting older. And when we're at FanFest, was, you know, if I don't see you guys for two years, you know, is that core group going to be the same or will somebody not be with us? And I guess it my age. It could be me. Fuck, right? I'm the oldest one around. So except for Flaherty and Greg Good, but it, it starts to hit me that time really is is going and we can't really fucking waste it. <laughs> also, speaking of getting old and people being out late, so I maybe got an hour sleep Saturday night into Sunday. So when I went up, everybody was still partying and stuff like that. Well, I come back down the first time and there's still people out there. So I go and get the car and I gas the car. By then, everybody comes back. So I'm moving bags out. Here comes Randy Ruskin. It's like literally four o'clock in the morning just walking around like i'm like dude do you like ever sleep i mean come on he's another one of those like old guard keepers i think that's like wow dude oh i can say for sure that i did not see randy at all on sunday right i I believe he was still (laughs) i believe he was still there but i didn't see it was just funny because i consider randy kind of along those lines of greg and dave where it's like you know kind of kind of the old randy's another who's endurance surprised me he'll be up all hours of the night well he had a health scare a couple of years ago oh yeah yeah you know barry i mean I must say you built a crowd and you have a lot of great people. And I think all of us in the golf here are very proud to be part of that group. It's like a big family reunion when everybody gets yeah. together. You know, you're catching up with people you haven't seen in four years. I mean, Pete Letterberg, I hadn't seen since 2019. And, you know, it's like we haven't lost a minute sitting down next to him. And I always talk about Pete, too. Pete is my oldest friend. Uh, the right way to say it. Pete is the friend that I've known the longest. I've known him since probably either late 76 or early 77. And any chance I get to see Pete, it's always a big deal. And again, you know, I as we get older, I you know, Pete was the first guy to ever get me drunk, and you know, we, our history goes way back. And any chance I get to see Pete and spend time with him, it's really important to me at this stage of my life as well. So you're saying in three or four years, we're going to have 50 years of friendship with Barry Rose and Pete Letterberg at one of these events? Yeah, well, nobody will give a shit except for Pete and myself. But yes, oh, we, no. you oh, no, may you, actually you're have to moderate that one. Yeah, you're yeah. very wrong. I think people would really enjoy listening to the two you guys talk about yeah. stories of you know you guys go into shows when you were teenagers and and all the things that you did i i think you'd be surprised yeah and maybe i'll maybe we'll, moderate that 
that Q and A. Or maybe we'll do it right here. Maybe do it on the other ship, or who knows, you know. Or maybe just do it at the bar one night. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> Pete and I, and the funny thing is, there, are, you know, Pete's memory is much better than mine. But there are certain memories that I'll bring up that Pete goes, "I totally forgot about that," and then likewise, vice versa. He'll remind me of shit that I'll be like, "I haven't thought about that in forty years," you know. But yeah, it's you know, I got to say that's that's one of the beauties too of doing the fan fest is being able to reconnect with Pete and you know the fact that he's a part of it after the length of our friendship and you know our mutual love of CWF it's really important hear me out 50 years of friendship with Pete and Barry co-headlined by Nord and you get Scott Norton to come in and we just get slapjacks <laughs> just a, a whole a whole thing yeah I like get, that too. I, you can also get Greg Good and Dave Jordan to discuss what Lou Fez was like in his rookie year <laughs> no, just I mean, saw some Lou Fez on TV the other day you know and I mean again I mean I know I said it earlier but it's about keeping Florida history but making new memories and just wrestling as a whole and you don't I don't think you really get that too much with people anymore I mean yeah there's so much on wrestling now but you got to remember what paved the way for it and the order i get the more i appreciate that and i'm you know, more apt to turn on old mid-atlantic or old mid-south or something like that as opposed to oh hey you know what indie am i watching i'd say it's not good it's just personal preference as i was telling as your dad you about this get. last night you know when linda and i were driving we drove obviously from uh from tampa back home to sellersville pa and uh we were talking and it, it dawned on me that linda like linda spent a lot of time with fonzie and a lot of time with Nord. The last one, she spent a lot of time with Jimmy Garvin and she had never seen them in their primes. Like she never saw him wrestle or cut promos. So uh, we talked about it and we got home. And I think the night we got home, she goes, all right, put on something with the big Baron guy. So I put on a match with Baron Von Raschke versus Andre the Giant, 1974. Yeah, then we're putting on Jimmy Garvin matches and Fonzie. And you put in Fonzie into YouTube and you get 87 versions of the match with Beulah McGillicuddy. And I'm like, you, Linda, you definitely don't want to see that. She definitely didn't want to see that. But yeah, but it, it was kind of cool to show her. And I, she got a new appreciation for it, you know? That's great. Again, just wanting to know that is incredible. Right. Yeah. I, uh, again, Way too good for me. Uh, wrestling and getting any type of positive response at all, ever. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe that's it too. And and maybe I was going about it all wrong. Maybe it's that personal introduction first to get to know them and like them, and then you show them what they do for a living. You know. So uh, maybe I just had been doing this all in a reverse for many years. But yeah, she's uh, she's you know, and, and Fonzie called on Sunday and. You know, Fonzie's like, is Linda around? Is Linda there? You know, it's like, all right, so I'm, I'm coming in second at this point, Rich, which is great, actually. But yeah, but it was a lot of fun. But gents, I actually have to get back to uh, trying to make a little bit of money. Sure. I appreciate in, this time. Thank what you was that? Your time. What was that, Chris? You're, you're still in your, in your underwear on your um, I'm wondering what kind of money you're making with that. <laughs> Exactly, right? Time for that OnlyFans shoot. <laughs> oh, it's keeping me rolling in the dough, Mike. I'm rolling in the dough with that. There is a big market out there if you want to see almost 60-year-old men sitting on a couch in their underwear. There's a huge market for it. So, yes, I'm going to capitalize on that. The next road, man. The OnlyFans fest.
I love it. Thank you for the time today. I'm really happy that we were all four able to get together and be here. And uh, yeah, let's do this again at some point soon. Actually, uh, Chris is going to be sending you some uh, some paperwork. All right. I love it. All right, guys. You all have a great day. I'm around if anybody needs me. All right. Take care. Bye, guys. Love you. Love you, too. See y'all. Later, bud. Real quick, let's do a shout out to some of our new members and uh, friends we made at FanFest. Tim Graff, Ron Gardner, Stephen, is it Raphael? Yeah, that's, that's, that's pronounce his last name. And if we butchered well, it, Steve, we're sorry. You're awesome. Yeah, yeah correct us. And uh, you're still my favorite. Only known as Steve. Matt, Matt, don't call me Jonathan Bailey. Shouting out everybody. We might as well give a shout out also to uh, our brothers out there, Stephen and Shard. Hopefully everybody's getting better, feeling better. Love you, Stephen. Love you, Shard. Yeah. Love you guys. Bruce, Bruce Bruce Owen. Yeah, Bruce. Bruce. I saw Bruce got to go to a restaurant for the first time in over six months here recently. Awesome. He's making great progress. They were all sorely missing the festivities last weekend. So shout out to Mark Beaudry. Definitely shout out to Mark. I mean, everybody had the reasons for missing it. A lot of family reasons. Trust me, I, I know it well. All right, everybody. That was a great little talk about FanFest with your friend and ours, Barry Rose. So we're going to roll this thing right into a little something we like to call Fine Malt Legends, where myself and the wonderful sweet William Merriweather go deep on some malt liquor. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So check it out. All right, kids. So we went sort of like the entry level. Gee, I might try malt liquor, but I'm afraid to commit to be the whole ghetto fight stuff with Mickey's all the way to the other end of the spectrum to hood ass shit with St. Ides where it's deep and it might be a little funky. And when you get to the last inch or so, it gets a little funky, skunky. You know what I mean? It's um not a sipping brew. It is a sipping brew because you can't really chug it. You know what I mean? What do you what do you think, Drew? Mr. Payne? Uh, it's definitely not for the uh, refined palate. It's for getting drunk quick and cheap <laughs> yeah, that's, but that, was the, that's who that stuff you know was marketed to was marketed as broke kids from broke neighborhoods that listen to broke music yep it definitely so I, I mean, you can buy a 40 of St. Ides it's like 8% alcohol dude yeah it wasn't weak I remember that it wasn't too yeah, weak I, I'm pretty sure it's made by uh, the Paps Blue Ribbon people that makes sense I can't remember yeah that checks out because I, I just remember he had it was like a race to the finish before it got skunky you know yeah it didn't take long that's what she said. Right. <laughs> well, you crack one of those open and it would be like a pistol going off. Right. Packed full of like carbonation. <laughs> but once you cracked it, I mean, that was it. It was like, you know, a two liter. You got to hurry up or it's going to be flat quick. The other thing about St. Ides is like hit it, like various pitchmen, which made it kind of feel legit, like all kinds of different 90s rap pitchmen. And I remember saying Eric B and Rock M, Big yep. Daddy Dane. Changed everybody, EPMD. Exactly. Actually, there was a lawsuit too. I remember uh, Chuck D sued them because he they used like one of his lines from something in one of their commercials, and I don't know whatever became of it. But obviously, they came to some agreement because they're still selling it. <laughs> but I mean, at, at first, I mean, it was definitely aimed toward, like I said, you know, the the bad neighborhoods. Yeah. And, you know, everything like their logos and their everything used to be like kind of graffiti based for a while. <laughs> well, the, the, what was the, the crooked eye? Was that supposed to I mean, was it just kind of like the logo? Like, was it like I don't know what that was? That was after like <laughs> the, first, the letters were like the kind you'd see on a passing train car. And then it got a little more refined, like where they had the fancier logo and stuff. But uh, 
gosh, what was the guy's name? I don't know. There was a, a famous DJ that basically took over like all their advertising, designing, and their ad campaigns. And that was when you started seeing Eric B and Rakim. Like you, I don't know. You probably remember the commercial where they were playing "Don't Sweat the Technique." <laughs> yeah, which is a legit banger. Yes, and. Made me want to drink 40 ounce. Hell yeah. You know, they all those spinoffs and stuff, like the flavor brew, there was all those different. Like, I used to see those, like the fruit flavor things. No. Yeah. I remember there's a purple one that was like, holy shit. It was tasty, but it was very dangerous. And it made you feel know. thick to your stomach. Too sweet. Too close to Zima territory for me, man. It was more like, <laughs> remember Cisco? It was kind of like that. Yeah, that Cisco is. With Jason, but it had like still like a malt kick to it. So it wasn't terrible, but it was gross. Like by the time you get like, you can only do like a deuce of it because by the time you get too far, it was like the the, the, sh- the syrup would hit your stomach. You'd be like, Ugh. that's kind of where it reminded me of Zima because Zima would just, oh, just disgusting. Still, like, imagine like you have a thing of Kool-Aid, but then you got to drink 40 ounces of it. Oh, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's too much. Like, that's I, why like, the fruity things didn't appeal to me. Like, because if it's bad, then you got 39 ounces to go, man. Yep. <laughs> that's that purple source, Rex. I remember I had Zima once and I puked in McDonald's drive through I don't remember why or how, but I remember I was drinking Zima's. And that was my first and last time. And I remember ugh, I remember French fries coming out the wrong hole. Oh, I'll never have a Zima again. I don't think they make them anymore, do they? Uh, they had a reboot a couple years back. Like a failed reboot, right? I would assume. I mean, it, I don't know why it wouldn't fail the second time after it failed the first fucking time. <laughs> I, want something, I want something that tastes like Sprite that's been sitting out for three years on a shelf in warm weather. <laughs> what do you got, Mike? Uh what hole did the fries come out of that was wrong? Was um, it like your dick hole or something? What the no. fuck, dude? <laughs> no, the, the nose. I was oh, okay. Just some okay, that's fine. Carry on. <laughs> back, back to production. I eat so much sweet dattles, I piss fries. I piss so, so, so actually, instead of coming out the pie hole, would it be considered coming out the fry hole? Basically. I mean, I don't know if I can eat french fries. <laughs> Look, yeah, it was, look, look, there's no shame in eating french fries or fast food, contrary to what some people that are formerly in our group. Mike's, Mike's writing down the edit times over there. <laughs> so any final thoughts with saying is I, I feel like there's a whole bunch that I haven't touched on, but um, I was just thinking back, like when I, I remember like the first time I had St. Ides, I was a freshman in high school. We were fresh. was very much Terror Squad was real big. Red Man, K-Solo, EPMD, all these guys. And that's what they were drinking. So that's what I was drinking oh yeah pretty much my 40 ounce intake would pretty much be determined by whatever i was listening to makes sense like i said when i was listening to cypress hill and house of pain and funk dubious and stuff like that That's i was amazing. drinking mickey's yeah. <laughs> and i was just staying adjacent to whatever wasn't fans like, i was into wasn't it like the tribe called quest one too because i seem to remember q-tip were they used? Yeah, yeah that's later on. They actually had like their own uh, blend or whatever. That's it, because that's why it sticks out. Damn, I'm because yeah, I remember there was something with Tribe, and yeah, they they were always like the most legit spokespeople. I mean, I remember there was uh, a nice cube tie-in for a while too, for a little bit. Yeah, yeah everybody, man, everybody was legit. I mean, like yeah, literally every week there'd be a new commercial with a new rapper. Yep. So St. Ides uh, also gets some cred for uh, being used in "Don't Be a Menace" while sipping your juice in the hood. Or whatever the hell that was with the Wayans brothers. Their their 40s were called St. Dyes instead of St. Nine. It says your hobbies include smoking weed. <laughs> Drinking Other 40s. Of of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best job interview ever. <laughs> so yeah, I mean... I guess oh, no, Chesty has a good job interview too. Yeah, look that one up on the internet. Chesty's job interview. Chesty? Yeah. The guy's like, what's your biggest weakness? He's like, I don't know, like 160. <laughs> 
He's like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, that's probably about as much as I could lift, about 160. <laughs> it's crazy. But anyway, yeah. In uh, say nines overall, I'd say it's a better than average 40 ounce. Like I said, you know, packed a wallop, you'd get fucked up quick while driving around listening to Nice and Smooth or whatever your rap. I'm going to make it real funky for you. Yeah, man. I mean, as long as I get fuzz in it, I'm leader and leader than a Chico stick. Here's an ice cream cone. How do you take a lick? Anyways, I mean... As long as we got the fizz in it, though, it was great. That's right, yeah. play it. it was like I said, that's the whole thing with them. You crack it, you got about 10 minutes to finish it, or yep. it's got it funked. Or it's going to be, ooh. It will smell like farts. Like, literally, after you drink a 40 of St. Ides, like, it smells like a scuba tank that had farts in it. It's, it's grandma's cabbage salad. All right, cool. So, yeah. Tune in uh, next time while we'll be uh, talking about some other funky-ass beer for cheap dollars. That's right. And its effect on our youth and its ensuing adulthood. It was all bad, but tune in. Find out how bad it got. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that wraps up Fine Malt Legends with Drew and Bill. They'll be back with another edition soon. Now we're going to move on to a conversation we had with the one and only Chris Zaha, where we discuss our top five favorite Led Zeppelin songs. Okay, so our topic here tonight is one of my favorite bands ever. Matter of fact, depending which day of the week it is, it's either Zeppelin or Rush, but my favorite band as of tonight, as of right now, this evening, as of this recording, is Led Zeppelin. So me and my friends here are going to list our top five favorite Led Zeppelin songs. Uh, with us here this evening, we have Michael T.S. Herrick. Greetings and salutations. We have Drew Duva. <laughs> we got Drew Duva. We got Mr. Drew Duva. We got Big Bill Merriweather and the one, the only, the infamous, everyone's favorite grocery store manager, Chris Saha. Hi. How, how's everybody doing tonight, gentlemen? Very fantastico. Good, good, good. All right. So we're just coming up with our list. Uh, th- this wasn't pulled out of a magazine or a website that's going to piss anybody off. So just want to put that out there. So we're going to go down the top five. We're going to start with each of our number fives. So my number five is off of Zeppelin 2 with Thank You, believe it or not. I think it's a, it's a nice love song. And Zeppelin kind of goes all over the place. Blues, rock. This is one of their kind of nicer love songs. Like, I love the O. For me to pick a top five, I don't know if you guys had this problem, but top five Zeppelin songs, it changes for the most part. The exception, like, my top. So it's hard to pick. So I literally just went through and jotted down five and like, okay, this sounds good. I have 22 written down. <laughs> okay, they're, okay, they're happy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I just jotted five down real quick, and I'm like, eh, you know. But thank so you. I figured uh, somebody would pick something I've got, and you already well, picked one of them. See, here's it's the right. thing. I mean, yeah, I mean that's fine. We all tend to agree on things, anyways. So, I mean, if somebody yeah. else has it, then about as much Led Zeppelin as we can. True. Right. Because there's so much good stuff, and maybe there we can. Uh, True. I mean, there is, unless you count the song "Hot Dog," honk honk. The proverbial turd in the punch bowl. Hey. Everyone has that one song, okay? Yeah. It's like an old blues cover, but... Yeah. It's not awful, honestly. It's not my favorite. No, it is. And it's awful. I, I, it's, de- it's definitely not one of them that I ever actively say, oh, here, I'm going to go listen to this one. It's a true lips and assholes hot dog. <laughs> it's an Oscar Mayer. It's a bar-esque. Beaks and claws. <laughs> 
Golly gee. R.S. <laughs> okay. So, Michael, how about your number five, bud? Uh, number five on my list is Communication Breakdown. Ooh. Early there. Early Zeppelin. Yes. Yeah, good stuff. Right badass there. song. Just a badass song. They're definitely a badass band. And I know in somewhere somebody's going to be really upset about this, but you know how everybody talks about how they were influenced by the Beatles? I think we had more influenced by Zeppelin and trying to be like them and failing miserably, like successfully. So Failing upward? Yes. Right. Yes, exactly. I get to get stuck up. I didn't even think about Communication Breakdown. That's awesome. That's a great song. That is. That's why I picked it. And you did. All right. Mr. Duva, how about your number five? Uh, my number five is off of the album Presence, Nobody's Fault But Mine. Ooh, that was almost on my list. Wicked yeah, Breakdown, heavy, heavy, heavy bottom drums, and a harmonica solo, which you don't get a lot of, man. And combined with the thunder from bottom, the harmonica solo is heavier than most heavy metal out there, dare I say, today. So, and just a cool song, cool premise. If you're yeah. a fucked up piece of shit, it's the lyrics hit home. Perfect, bro. <laughs> Oof. So wait, does that mean I'm a fucked up piece of shit? Because, well, yes. Okay. Exactly. In the mirror. It's one of the look in the mirror songs. Nobody's fair. I mean, I say this about a lot of songs, but Robert Plant's vocals on that are just killer. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Oh. It's mine. I mean. All right, Big Bill, how about your number five, sir? Highway Song by Greta Van <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Another one of the Zeppelin imitators. What was the other one called uh, a couple years back? Wolf Brother? A Wolf Mother? Who then tried to say, didn't Greta Van Fleet say they were, they'd never heard of Zeppelin or they didn't think yeah. so and everybody's like, you're so full of shit. Yeah, they were trying to downplay it and it was pretty obvious. I mean, good on them, it's fine. It, but it blew my mind when I first heard it. I like, had to pull over. It was some unreleased shit that I never heard, you know what I mean? The, yeah, man, right. Those guys. But they really do kind of have the same sort of sound. But yeah, the song I'm picking is No Quarter because... That, oh, you son of a bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed it. <laughs> that's my... That's, that's his number five and a half. That's when Pink Floyd, you know, some would say better than Pink Floyd, but I can't say that, of course, biased. But it's fucking... It's a banger, man, with the drums coming out. That's such a tight groove, man. You know what I mean? And the um, guitar solo comes in. Oh, my God. Uh, and John Paul Jones plays like 20 different instruments because that's my fave for biased reasons. But that's my jam. That's awesome. I love it. Robar does a good cover. The first time I heard that, I was driving home like late at night and it's a great like nighttime song where you're driving through the night and there's not a lot of like going on and you're listening to that and it's yeah. got like that intimidating beat yeah. to it. Driving all night, bringing news. Yeah. All right, Mr. Zaha, what's your... Uh, I'm cheating. So my number five is uh, a twofer. It's Heartbreaker slash Living Loving Maid nice. on Led Zeppelin. Nice. And it's okay for me to cheat with that because they both just seamlessly go one into the other. And right. you actually did text me and after it was okay and I said I'll allow it. I almost had that as my number five. Yeah, it's, oh my God. It's yeah, so a lot funny. of people, it's actually really is one song, but it's not. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not, but it is. It's one of those wonderful transitions. Yeah, it's great. And like, even like if, if it just ended with Heartbreaker with that last one, it goes heart and then it stops. If they just ended it there, it's like, man, this is a great song. And then it kicks right back in with Living Loving Maid. It's like, oh Jesus Christ, this is great. Oh my God. That's a great song. That whole album is really good. That's those songs. They kick ass. That's great stuff. So my number four, we're going to go to probably my 
favorite Zeppelin album, Physical Graffiti, with Houses of the Holy. Love it. That opening, opening sticks with you. I'm surprised no professional wrestler ever did not use that. Yeah. Like, like the opening, like 30 seconds for like an intro for their music or something, because it gets you like pumped up. It's perfect. Yes. And I'll I never forget. I, actually, I think it was Chrissy who listened to it the first time and said, hey, you guys know that the song Houses of the Holy is not on the album called Houses of the Holy. Like, yes. Yeah. I was so mad because I'm like looking for it. I'm like, did I get like an import copy or something? And then I look at physical graffiti. Like, oh, I wouldn't put it past you to buy some bootleg stuff at the swap meet or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's it's Led Zeppelin. L-A-D Zeppelin. Tony Hill climber pants. Nice pair of beatbox sneakers. Yeah. Nice. Geez, one of my card pushers burned me this album, but the title track's missing off the album. What gives? What the fuck? You got moved up instead of getting kicked in the balls by shoplifters. They hand you a bootleg album that confuses you. I got, yeah, I got scammed out of Houses of the Holy. Exactly. <laughs> All right, TS, what's your number four, bud? My number four is Fool in the Rain. Ooh. Another one made it on my short list. One of the best drum shuffles of all time. I gotta say, I really was trying to pick some what I felt were like non-obvious songs. I mean, my number one and two always stay the same. They never change. But I could have put any of, of 20 songs probably to fill out three, four, and five. So I yeah. was trying to come up with something a little different. And honestly, <laughs> I put Communication Breakdown on at five so I wouldn't have four songs from Led Zeppelin 4 on here because that's how it was going to go originally. But yeah, I just, you know, Fool in the Rain is one of those songs that, I don't know, I could listen to anytime, and I could listen to it multiple times in a day and not get tired of it. That breakdown in the middle is just insane every single time. Like, that bridge in the middle is just absolutely bonkers, and then it just rolls right back into the song. Right. I freaking love it. All right. Mr. Duva, bodybuilder extraordinaire, what's your number four? <laughs> uh, number four on my list is The Rover off of Physical Graffiti. Nice. We could just it dance. Got a amazing riff to it and you can see that bands obviously named Iron Maiden borrowed heavily from this. Who? You can hear literally Steve Harris being trained by John Paul Jones on this song. Just like his, his bass runs, you can hear the gallop that Steve okay. Harris took yeah. and, and made his own. Who? Who's this Iron Maiden you speak of? I've never heard of them. Are they like a local, local Swedish. band? Or? Uh, Swedish. There's a dude named Bjorn, uh, some blonde chick with nice cans, uh, a brunette guy that kind of looks like a BG. <laughs> they sing uh, some jams about running to the hills and dancing queens and <laughs> they're trying to get in the Hall of Fame I heard. And being a franchise. Alright, Big Bill, number four, bud. My number four song is Kira Salambra from In Through the Outdoor. And I think it's Led Zeppelin finally. One of the one issue I have with Led Zeppelin is their big epic songs are just like one riff for like too long. Like uh, Cashmere. I mean, it's a great song but it's like after like six minutes like, you know, are we going to get anywhere else with this? I know you're building up a little bit but, but Kira Salambra like every part slaps there's like a real funky part and the real like dark part like and again it's like sort of like next evolution of led zeppelin and with john paul jones playing all the chords and stuff Jimmy page is playing some really weird guitar synthesizers and it's too bad what happened happened because boy it'd be neat to see their albums in the 80s like kind of new agey or new wavy i mean you know right i don't know okay so chrissy how about yours misty mountain hop led zeppelin four nice you may have heard it once a thousand times you motherfucker 
I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but when we get to, when we, before we do our number ones, we can like do like honorable mentions. Cause I have like not a million, but I have like a lot that could have been in my top five. Yeah. Mr. Mountain Hop's amazing. I listened to that today when I was outside setting up my movie theater screen out in my backyard to, um, you know, watch movies to, as I sit here on the couch instead of outside. But I was listening to Led Zeppelin 4. And I'm like, crap, this is a really good album. Cause you know, that album, obviously, I believe those songs probably got the most radio play or have gotten the most radio play that you get so tired of hearing those songs you forget how good they are so it's like if you have to take a break from them then go back and listen to them you're like crap this stuff is really good so Misty Mountain yeah. Hop number four makes the list nice I hate you or else <laughs> I love you alright so my number three we're gonna go with When the Levy Breaks just a friggin' jam. The drums are the most sampled yeah. drum beats of all time. And Drew was talking about the harmonica earlier. Yeah. You want, you want to talk about a friggin' insane harmonica part. Like a train whistle. Everything about it is booming and yep. loud. It's like, mm. I got a feeling you yeah. guys are taking everything off Mike's list. <laughs> yep. That's okay, though. That's all right. Yeah, well, that's why 22. So my list is getting chipped off here pretty bad, too. My, mine, too. Mine, too, but that's fine. That's all right. And it just goes to show you that all great and, minds think alike. And it shows yep. how many badass songs these kids got. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm waiting for Big Bill to chime in like, well, I like Boogie with Stu. All right, Mike, hopefully you had a backup list going because I'm watching your expressions over there. And Nope, we can just go ahead and skip on to whoever's next because you just took my number three. Ooh. Sorry, bro. Sorry, <laughs> That's buddy. That's right. All, all we're going to leave, Mike, is... Uh, Stairway to heaven. <laughs> nope. I'll just, I'll just have no songs. That's fine. Oh, come okay. on. Wait, wait, wait. What's your number? Is your was your number three the same three. as uh, Donuts? Yeah, with the looks, that's number three. Yep, I love it. Okay, well let's let's move over to Duva Love Me. Mine is going to be from the album Coda, a little ditty called Poor Tom. I think it was just like a leftover outtake from uh, Led Zeppelin Three, but it's just like this little kind of boogie shuffle thing, just a harmonica drums where it sounds like he's using those brushes. It's only like. It's like two minute song, not even that long, like two and a half minutes maybe. But just uh, reminds you of like being on like a freight train or something, dude. Like you were a hobo grifter on your way to a Taco Bell at a truck stop, maybe to <laughs> disembowel a fellow traveler. Personal experience? <laughs> no, we'll find out. We'll see if there's blood on those Timberlands. <laughs> no, that's like a deep cut. Nobody really talks about it. I don't yeah. think people really talk about Coda much. Yeah, we were talking earlier about like uh, communication breakdown, how it's early. Zeppelin and I've noticed that my list is like early stuff and late stuff like the middle stuff Nothing in the middle, right? that everybody likes is I don't know I just kind of left a lot of that alone well, great I love it well I mean going back to Mikey's favorite band the Beatles that's kind of like if you talk to Beatles fans that's what a lot of them say it's either the early pop stuff or you get to the end you get the dark shit you know not a lot in between there so I don't know I discovered the later albums mostly like when I was like 15 probably 16 just playing Super Nintendo all week in long and just the box set just came out the Ford CD box set that's my right. brother got that nice. and it just had, it had like tons of the stuff from those later albums like Presence and Coda and Physical Graffiti like the later stuff and I, there was just tons of stuff that I didn't know and I was like man these are bangers dude I'd play Super Spike Volleyball till like 4 in the morning oh yeah oh nice this is, this is what I'm talking about I love it <laughs> 
and nice. soccer. Their soccer game that was badass too. I'd stay up for days on that shit like a crackhead. That's the next episode. Sports video games while listening to Led Zeppelin. Yes. <laughs> What's your favorite Zeppelin album to listen to while playing a sports game like a crackhead? <laughs> Let's ask Drew. That's totally. <laughs> that's actually going to be the name of uh, Mr. Duva's autobiography. No, no, no. no, no I love it. I love stories like that. Maybe it's in the evening as long as it's not bedtime. All right. Big Bill. My next one would be a little ditty called The Song Remains the Same. Um, I love the bass. Yeah. And it's like five riffs. It's just, and it just keeps going and going and just never slows down in a good way. You know, it's not exhausting. It's just great. It's a good tune. Perfect show. Love, yeah. The one to open the show with. Yep. Yeah, that's damn near like perfect baseline. Perfect like everything. The thing about Zeppelin that I say is they weren't around long enough to fall apart or be terrible. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's like maybe the 80s Led Zeppelin would have really sucked and been really cheesy. But I don't know. It's, some people hate that last album, but I think it's a lot of fun. But, but you I mean, know. I'm, I mean, to all their own, have you guys heard Celebration Day? That live album they did with them and Jason performing? Yeah. yeah it's and, like 07 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's actually a damn good album. And I mean, I hate to say it, but the Robert Plant, House and Krauss stuff actually isn't bad. No, it's, I, it's fine. It's different for him, but you know what? That's better for him, the way his vocals are now. Right. I saw him open for The Who in 02. And he did, he did Going California, he did a whole lot of love. There's the only two Zeppelin songs he did. He did a whole lot of love for his encore. And right. the place came unglued. Yeah. That's awesome. So good on him for still being relevant. Oh, Unfortunately, yeah. there's probably kids out there who know him from that. And they're like, hey, here's this band called Led Zeppelin. Probably the greatest band ever. Listen to these guys. And their minds get blown. Right. Yep. Is it so. Allison Krauss that he did the duet with on the Encomium CD when they did Down by the Seaside? Or was that Tori Amos? I'm pretty sure that was him and Allison Krauss. Uh, whoever it was, it was. That's an incredible duet that they do on that. So, Mr. Zaha, Esquire, what's your number three? Uh, last song on, at least I think it's the last song. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. On Led Zeppelin 1, how many more times, right? How many more times what? Do we have to hear about you sitting in the Batmobile? I think you've got another song. Right? I thought that was the last song on there. How many no, more times? One. Hang on. <laughs> Whatever. That's that's my number three. How many more times? I love it. Do you guys even yes. know that song or are you just the yeah. most stairway to heaven? <laughs> it's like a shirt. It's cool. Right? Look here, sir. Your I'm, time is going to come. <laughs> nice. I'm looking up. I thought that was the last it is I, it, it is oh. i just said that oh well what the heck but yeah that's a great that's a great song it's long which i'm not usually not a fan of like longer songs but it works for that song vocals are great bass lines awesome uh everything it's great that's a great song my number three nice, nice. my top five my number two is off zeppelin's three and apparently these songs are hard to license but it was used to great effect in a marvel film it is immigrant song oh yes that scene where they use it in ragnarok they use it twice and the final yep. battle scene where it's the soundtrack for the bat final battle scene man, it gets your blood pumping it's like freaking amazing because that's finally when you get to see Thor be Thor and cut loose and everybody's kicking ass and taking names and everything like that and I mean it's just a killer song I mean that opening with that scream of his the heaviest riff is just insane like every time I hear it I'm like dude how did you do that you could hear that song like a million times and like every time it comes on you're immediately like you can't help but get into it it's it's amazing and shout out to Dread Zeppelin which I was introduced to yeah yesterday or the day before by Mr. Zaha and I couldn't stop watching I was completely mesmerized go to YouTube right now after you're done listening to this and look up Dread Zeppelin Immigrant Song if you want to see Elvis and a reggae band singing it you will not be disappointed I promise it's pretty
pretty fucking great. Every time I hear Immigrant Song, I just think of Brody. That's the first, every time, like, as soon as I hear it, I immediately just think of Brody, like, swinging the chain like For a sure. helicopter. <laughs> yep, absolutely. That's the way Big Bill was apparently swinging in the hotel room when the housekeeper walked in on him last time. <laughs> It's um, smaller than a bread box, that's for sure. Well, maybe that's why she couldn't stop staring. Who knows? It's um, it's not big. A shout out to Juanita. Good luck. All right. Michael, if you still have a number two, what's your number two? I do. I do. Surprisingly enough, the only song I have left on my list, The Battle of Evermore. Beautiful song. Yeah. Just fantastic. I'm not into Lord of the Rings or any of that shit, but that's <laughs> the basis for the song. But even just the music, just just like the musical part of it is beautiful. Wait, what Zeppelin saying about Lord of the Rings? What? <laughs> <laughs> you want to say next thing you're going to tell me is that Jimmy Page sold his soul to Alistair Crowley for guitar godness <laughs> okay everyone's favorite Jim Rat on this call what's your number two <laughs> Drew Duva <laughs> is it my turn yep. maybe alright my next one is off of uh, Led Zeppelin 1 Batman 1 a uh, little <laughs> number called Good Times Bad Times yes good yeah. times bad times a little cowbell at the beginning yeah it's another one that some could say is overplayed but every time you hear it you fucking love it no it's exactly amazing. it's great that's a great song the fucking bass mm. yep. oh bass. yeah god yeah <laughs> just it's like it's quick to the point good rock and roller yeah. bluesy big bill you're you're number two brother wow well i gotta do my alternative choice because drew stole mine but that's <laughs> that's a goddamn banger but a little number called ramble on because i'm always you know oh great i love john i love it ramble on. Oh, man that's a great song that was the first let's up i learned how to play and everything it's just because you have to, you know. Yeah. It's so tasty. You owe it to yourself, yeah. That's what Brayson sings every morning as he's running away from Caillou. Ramble yeah, he does. <laughs> I sing it too. Yeah. He's singing on because he wants eggs. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Dad's in the kitchens. I got a scramble on. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I was going on the album. Time is now. <laughs> scramble on. Put the ketchup down. Scramble on. <laughs> Yellow eggs. <laughs> Yellow. Yellow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mr. Zaha. What is your number two? I can't remember what album it's on, but it doesn't matter because it's still great. The Ocean. Bam, 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 bam. You guys know that song? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yes, stop asking if we know it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, he, that song's, oh, my God. Oh, that's great. Another fair Those vocals are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The full truth, too, man. You guys ever hear um, our, I don't know if he's still on Facebook anymore, but he was in the mothership, which I'm sure we've all connected with him at some point. Uh, King Chivas, the guy that looks like... Moby. Oh yeah, um, right. He, he was in a band. There's a video of it. I think it's on YouTube. He was in a band, and they did a song called "Bam Bam Bigelow" to the tune of the ocean. So he's like "Bam Bam Bigelow," and they like <laughs> did like a whole song about it. It's, it's actually pretty funny. Right. Um, nice. But yeah, if you get a chance, check it out because I, I I only see the King on Twitter now. I think he got off Facebook because yeah, um, I think him and Ponch got in a fight over like who looked more like Moby. I I don't know. He is on Twitter though, yeah. But he's, he is on Twitter. Yeah, he, he's a good guy. Did he ever change out of his six oh five shirt? Uh, he did. He's now he put on a he put on a Bam Bam Bigelow shirt. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the ocean's great. I love the vocals. Uh, Plant always delivers. Like he's always great, but he's he's really working his butt off on that song. That was great. I think, with the exception of Freddie Mercury, Robert Plant was the definitive rock and roll classic rock and roll band front band. Yeah, I know it's always a conversation, but just aura, charisma, always bringing it. Like you never heard a dull note from that. Yeah, but again, nobody is Rob Halford from some. No, other I band. wasn't even think about him. But I bullshit, like, yeah. bullshit. I wasn't. I wasn't. I'm just trying to think of like because a lot of times, like when Zeppelin 
Allen would play out live. Like sometimes Plant could hit those notes, but sometimes he couldn't. And I don't think that necessarily made him bad because sometimes I like it to sound different than the actual recording. Um, one guy that was really, really good. I don't want to get off the beaten path. But I'll just make it quick. One guy that was really, really good, but maybe not like uh, known for being super charismatic was uh, Paul Rogers of Bad Company. He's a killer. He's great. Vocally, he's phenomenal. But, you know, he's not Robert Plant or uh, Freddie Mercury. And then Paul Rogers will take whatever he wants. <laughs> I don't get it. Did he sing a song that says, I'll take what I want? Yeah, it's like the first line. I, I don't know. What, uh, what song is it? It's the one. Uh, it's, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I can't get enough of your lunch. I can't, I can't get, get enough, enough right? of your lunch. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Can't get enough of your lunch. <laughs> now, now, I can't get crazy to meet us for lunch. <laughs> I did meet you once, once, Alker. Once, more than enough, more than enough. And what's the better bad company, Diamond and Tanaka, or the band? Oh God, Hart and Pillman, or the band? Yeah. So. I'm gonna be uh, hesitant to name anything with Bruce Hart in it on top of something <laughs> else. <laughs> However, there is a guy on here that's doing a pretty good fantasy booking with the AWA that yeah. probably has a uh, valid opinion on this. It's not going to yeah, he is. He, he is in plenty the band, of, and then Bruce Hart. Although yes. Bruce Hart ranks above Brett in my Hart brothers rankings. That's hilarious. That's, That's savage. Hilarious. <laughs> oh man, that is so freaking savage. But I love it. My number one Zeppelin song is one of the most played, probably most talked about Zeppelin songs. But it's just the one that always sticks with me, and it's from Physical Graffiti. It is Cashmere. There's just something incredible. Like the first time I heard it, I was like blown away. You know those songs that hit you? I mean, Stairway to Heaven gets you the first time you hear. It's like holy shit. This got me in like a different way it's like so like complex and deep and lots of things and it never fails to me and i, and I know everyone's like oh it's overplayed you know everyone but you know what fuck it that's still great that's a great exactly song. exactly so all right mikey what's your what's your number one if somebody hasn't said it already no it's already been said but i'm going to talk about it anyway because fuck chrissy uh number one <laughs> is mountain hop oh that's your number one that's awesome i just want to say i don't know that there's such a thing as a perfect album but led zeppelin 4 is pretty fucking close it's pretty there is not a bad song on that whole album everything's great i could have picked any five songs from there and nearly my list nearly was misty mountain hop battle of evermore when the levee breaks pool in the rain and then i was going to have going to california is number five oh, so i love that yeah or my five songs gonna be from Led zeppelin four i love it i mean go, going to california is incredible i mean you could have said that four sticks is a great song yeah and nobody yeah, talks that's a great song black dog rock and roll stairway to heaven i mean it's a tremendous album but when I really got into Led Zeppelin I was running a video store and we also had a Karma Records which Drew's probably the only person on here that knows what that is but it's a an Indiana chain I don't know if they have really very many locations left anymore or not but my boss had bought in location to the Karma Records so that he could have a Ticketmaster outlet so that we could uh, pull tickets for ticket brokers and make nice. that so anyway the, the whole thing with the music was like secondary but we bought a lot of used CDs and I would put them out for sale but I would buy things and if it was interesting to me I would take it home first and burn a copy of it and then put it out for sale and somebody came in with it was like a six disc I think Led Zeppelin and I think I gave them $20 for it I took it home I made copies for me and my roommate and I put it out for sale for 50 bucks and it sold like two days later and it was in perfect condition but the first time I put on Led Zeppelin 4 and I heard Misty Mountain Hop start I'm like okay this is fucking different from what I yep. know Led Zeppelin to be and that was the thing that really stood out to me and hooked me was the, the difference in it and the story that the song tells I really like so yeah to me it's it's always since I the first time I heard it it's been my favorite Led Zeppelin song that never changed so would you say that that song remains the same <laughs> 
<laughs> that and Battle of Evermore, though, those two are always one and two for me. Beyond that, it's what I feel like that day. I could pick any of probably 20 songs. Like you said, outside of Hot Dog, <laughs> there isn't a lot of bad that they put out. <laughs> All right, Mr. Duva. Okay, I've got a, a one and a one A. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't decide, so I'm just going to pick them both of them. Uh, the first one is uh, Off of Presence. Achilles Last Stand, which is a fucking super banger, and uh, if you listen closely, you can see the influence, obviously, because it was basically ripped, riff for fucking riff by UFO, and the song lights out. But, I mean, it's just, it's a great song. A great, great song. And then, uh, my other one is from Zeppelin 3, Since I've Been Loving You. Just a super badass blues song with, like, one of the snarliest guitar whales of all time in the end of a riff. It sounds awesome. And a great solo. Oh, yeah, that's what I got. Nice. All right. And I still have like six more songs that I picked too. I mean, we can always come back to them just in case somebody else mentions along the way, which we could, we could not. I mean, there's no shortage of great Zeppelin songs. So, all right. Big Bill, you're number one, good sir. In the light. That's a great one. That's on my list. Yeah, that, that one was also on my list too. So, that's uh, another one that's a little bit of keyboards, but the riff is so heavy. Very nice. All right. Last but certainly not least, Round and Home. Yep. What is it, Chrissy? So, Stay I was going to say, it's House of the Holy. It's House of the Holy. Somebody already picked it at some point for something. Um, so I My bad. Something, yeah, no, you're fine. If I had to pick something other than that, I'd go um, over the hills and far away to find the number one song. Would that count as your gym time for the day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. House of the Holy is amazing. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. And Over the Hills and Far Away is great, too. Like, you know, obviously in a different way. Um, but, yeah, those are my faves. Nice. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I think with the exception of maybe one or two that we all had, I mean, we got a pretty robust variety which speaks to how good the Zeppelin catalog is. Yeah. So, I mean, there is something to be said, you know, excellent conversation about the input. So, Drew, what were the other songs on your list if you had a bunch more that we did not mention? Just out of uh, curiosity. From uh, Zeppelin 3, I got Out on the Tiles and yeah. Tangerine. Yeah. Yes. I'm surprised nobody mentioned Tangerine. Yeah. I avoided it because I thought it would be on your list or Spiker's list. Yeah, it was, it's, it's one of my all ten list. Yeah, it was a hard time choosing, man. And then I also had had uh, the rain song from Houses of the Holy. Yeah, great. Yep. Talk about a freaking banger. And uh, uh, was there any other ones? And then I also had In the Light. No one has picked it. Oh, I'm sorry, Drew. I thought you were. No, I'm, so, I'm done. I got a 1 8. This is, um, it just kind of popped in my head, to be honest. But I got to say the crunch, man, with the funk going. Yeah. They're doing like the James Brown thing. It was cute. Talking about love. Talking about love. Yeah. Another yeah. song I expected somebody to have on their list. and, and Apparently nobody did was custard pie. That, but that's great too. Good tune. Yeah. Again, you can sit here and you can just talk like oh, yeah. all night about how great and expansive and you know the variety that this band had in their what 13, 15 years together. Yeah. yeah. And you know, very few songs can you really bring up to say, okay, these were not good songs. How many other bands can you really say that about? Truly. Right. That's why I put right. them ahead of, of all the other British bands. Ahead of the beat, ahead of the stones. As much as I love the stones. Yeah, I like I think think Zeppelin has them all beat. I know Bill disagrees, but I think Zeppelin has them all beat. And I don't think it's particularly close either. I like Floyd and Sailor better. I don't really care for either. (laughs) 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 I mean, yeah, unpopular opinion. I'm not 
not a Pink Floyd mark at all. Not at all. I don't like them at all. I just, I mean, I appreciate what they're about or whatever. And like, I mean, they definitely have a bunch of super popular songs, but it I think totally the thing that's off of them mostly was like the dudes at my school when I was in high school that were just like fucking Pink Floyd all over you, dude. Like, hey, dude, have you seen the wall, though, dude? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it on acid. <laughs> and I was just like, Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I only know a handful of Pink Floyd songs. They're they're, they're pretty good, but I, I I wouldn't say that I'm like a huge fan. I'm not a I'm not a not a fan. Care. But I'm they were when uh when they played it when the Bulls got introduced or when Abdullah the Butcher came to the ring. Then Pink Floyd was cool. There you go. <laughs> All I can imagine is Abdullah the Butcher just shuffling to the ring while us and them plays in the background. <laughs> Oh, one of these days, right? That's you know, a great song. Yeah, it's one of these days. <laughs> That's a heavy <laughs> So for a long time, like when I was in like high school, like I liked Zeppelin, but but when I say I like Zeppelin, I liked Led Zeppelin four. I really didn't know anything else by them, honestly, at that time. And I was huge into Sabbath for and still am, obviously. And I'm always, you don't like, I, always I know, right? I was always like, Oh, Sabbath blows Zeppelin away. And really it's not they're two different bands. Like they're really not similar except they both oh, yeah. heavy the music. Bands That's it. Invented heavy metal. They're not same at all. But their sound is different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um so when I actually joined bands in my thirties and we would like do like Zeppelin songs, like I would listen to them like Man, these guys are really good. I think I was wrong. I did the same thing with Van Halen too. I never liked Van Halen. Then we started like covering Van Halen. I'm like, oh my god, these guys are pretty talented. Yes, I was wrong. Yeah, Zeppelin's amazing. They're great. And you know, you want to like, I would want to pick like deep cuts as like my favorites, but the hits are so great that you could pick the hits and be fine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, Chrissy, I heard a rumor that one of your bands, when they do immigrant song, you know, would just open up instead of doing the whale, you just go, uh. That is depends on if I depends on if I didn't get a nap that day. <laughs> That's what, that, uh, right. That always gets like when I was in the band. That always got a huge reaction just when, when the song started. And then same thing now when they play um when onset plays it now that that song kicks in and people lose their minds. I'm like man, pretty popular song. Just start a mosh Just start, start crowd kill. A couple years ago, God, this must have been close to five years ago now. We saw Jason Bonham's Zeppelin Experience open for Cheap Trick and Foreigner. It was like a three nice. band. And that was the first song the guy came out and he actually nailed those high notes. I'm like, it's a good thing you got that out of the way early there, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. That's a great song. Yeah, Jason's band released a CD back in the 90s. It's just the Jason Bonham band. It was called The Zepp Set. And it was like a live, I think it was like a double CD, but they just did like a whole set of Zeppelin songs and then did like a, a 25 minute medley at the end of a bunch no of kidding. sandwiched together. It's, it's pretty awesome. Check, look for it. It's got to be out there. I have Spotify, I bet, right? At this point, Jason Bonham. Bottom band, the Zep set. Who was nice. on vocals? I don't know. It's just a bunch of random ass dudes, man. It was like who was in the Jason Bonham band. It was around the time that uh, what the hell was that single that he had? I think it's called "Wait for You." It, it's basically his band sounded like a Zeppelin ripoff. In the, in, the na- in the name of my father, the Zeppelin. In the name of my Zep father. Set. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Oh, and what is and should never be shit. That's another one that could have another being in baseline too. Yep. Damn it! Yep. And it's a really good live album. It really is. I'll have to check we're, that out. We're gonna hang up this call and I'm going to text Michael later and be like crap I forgot about that's one that should have been on somebody's list yeah. I love Again. all the bloody stuff those are usually my favorite but but then there's Misty Mountain Hop which is so fucking far from that yes. so for those of y'all folks still listening at home here what's your favorite Zeppelin song post in the other ship if there was a link to a live performance or YouTube yes, video let, let us know you know let us know get it out there and get the, the let conversation out. get the let out is a good uh, Zeppelin cover band Oh, if they're oh. over in your area. 
They're pretty oh, good. Christine freaking loved them. Christine couldn't yeah, stop yeah. talking about them. We saw them this in the old days. I say Chrissy might remember this from back in the old days in Chicago on the old classic rock station WCKG. Yeah, yes. Every night, at ten o'clock, they used to do a Zeppelin three block, getting yep. the lead out. Get the lead out. Yep, that was awesome. And they would yeah. play like they would play the more deep, deeper cuts. I'd usually be at a buddy's house getting stoned, and we'd all try to pick what three songs it would be. Were you ever right or no? Oh, sometimes. And then we would celebrate with more marijuana. Like, hey, let's get higher. <laughs> Imagine that. I like those ads. That's great. We predicted it. That's awesome. This is a great talk, guys. Yeah. It's great. I'm glad I thought of it. Yeah. Another one of those great moments from you. It's amazing. I'm full of them. Just yeah. So, yeah, so next week, you're joining us for the deep dive on Star Wars 7, 8, and 9, right? I, oh, God, no. I, I, you know, I don't even know what my schedule is for next week yet, so I don't know. I'm taking a three-week break from Zaha. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm busy, so maybe the week I, after that, after the week gonna, after Fantastic, maybe. I'm going to text you tomorrow. I'm like, hey, I found some time for later. You want to talk about anything else? I'm like, no, I'm yeah. good. <laughs> well, speaking, speaking of you being full of good ideas, let's move on to other things being full. And let's talk about sandwiches. Yeah, I'll make this quick because my wife actually just texted me and she wants to talk to me. But I, I only wanted to tell this story and then you guys can do whatever you want with it. But literally, I saw that picture of that sandwich you posted on the other ship today. You, you mean that stromboli? No, that, that looked great too. No, the one that might, the, just the ham and cheese. But the extra tomato. Yeah. Uh, so the tomato, we don't need, but. <laughs> so, so back when Dominic's was still open, most of you don't know what that is. Drew does. Um, oh, yeah. It was a grocery store I worked at, in case you guys didn't know. I believe you know. anybody One that has, has heard about Dominic's because you don't shut up about it. It's yeah, like number it's three behind Batmobile and Lemmy, and then it's Dominic's. That's the order they go. Uh, so, uh, me. so we had this sandwich in our deli, and it doesn't sound like anything spectacular. And I'm here to tell you that it was phenomenal. So you take a plain bagel, you put turkey, lettuce, red onion, Swiss and um, honey mustard. And I know it doesn't sound like, wow, that's was, great. But what, it is like one of the best sandwiches I've ever had in my life. What was the name of it? A turkey, <laughs> onion, and cheese <laughs> on a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> That was it. Dominic's fucking failed. They didn't have a clever name for that fucking thing. <laughs> that's what it was. That's what it, that's what put us out of business. Oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> I'm actually after we get off this call, I'm gonna make a peanut butter sandwich because um oh you know we we had ice cream for dinner tonight. Nice. <laughs> well here so I bought three ice creams. I got cookies and cream, vanilla, and strawberry because Bryson wants strawberry, which is actually my dad's favorite flavor. Funny enough. Anywho, I tell Aiden we have two freezers. One is you know full, and the other one is full. Um, <laughs> but I told Aiden I go get the ice cream in this freezer you could fit it if you move this 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 he's like okay and he's 16 and he doesn't give a crap about anything so i go and i open the freezer and of course the ice cream is completely smashed it's spilled all over the place so i text him i'm like get up here now and he comes up i'm like are you serious right now and it was a vanilla which is it's not my favorite flavor but it's my favorite flavor to make sundays with right you just get vanilla ice cream and you get the hot fudge i picked up some hot fudge some strawberries some uh, cherries whipped cream chocolate syrup and nuts that was dinner uh, Carmen Apice's vanilla fudge. <laughs> Carmen Apice, yeah. Not Carmen Apice, Carmen Apice. Carmine Apice. But yeah. Is that the guy you kept asking me if I knew who he was? Yeah, so Michael Volgari looks like Carmine Apice. He's an old, he's a drummer. He does, dude. Wow. <laughs> he does. Holy shit. I thought it I was said, him. I'm like, hey, I love when you played with Ozzy. 
<laughs> He's doing a thing with Pat Travers now, man. It's the Travers of Peace Band. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know Pat Travers was still around. Dude, we saw them at the House of Blues in Myrtle Beach on <laughs> vacation one year. That's awesome. How were they? Were they good? It was kind of cool. It was uh, Pat Travers on guitar and vocals, uh, Tom and the Peace cool. on drums, and a black dude with dreads with airbrush bases. I don't know. Nice. He had like a like a Booker T like top knot. Oh, that's awesome. Dread braid. He wore sunglasses. Yeah, and he wore Jinkos. He was wearing Jinkos because those were popular. This was like 90-something. Oh, nice. His name's T.K. Simmons. He's been on forever. He's real good. Studio guy. He plays a lot. Oh, I would say you would know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, real good. Who is he? That's amazing. T.K. Simmons, I think his name is, if I'm not crazy. He's real good. Shucky ducky quack quack. Super long necks, fretless. And they were like we'll air yeah. silk, like RBD's tights kind of designs. We'll all have to get together and go see like a local band one time. It should be pretty convenient for all of us. Yeah. They did a cool version of uh, Do You Think I'm Sexy, actually. It's kind of cool. Did they really? Uh, Apparently, the drummer dude, Carmen Apiece, co-wrote the song. Well, yeah, he plays on it. The original. He probably tells you. Did he really? Wow. Yeah, I would play. He told us. He probably told the crowd. This is a song that I wrote. I co-wrote this. Stewart. A good friend. I made a million dollars off that shit. Yeah, for sure. I actually want to kind of sandwiches he liked. (laughs) Dressed like really weird, dude. He was wearing like Hugh Hefner pajamas. It was weird. Vanilla fudge sandwiches. Vanilla fudge, nice. (laughs) <laughs> he, he keep him hanging on but he yeah. was a really great drummer though man Carmine yeah. Peace is good yeah his brother, Vinny's great too yeah, yeah he's played with Ozzy and Dio too I think Vinny Peace played yeah, with Dio plays, too well now Vinny pronounces Vinny Apice Carmine pronounces Carmine Apice stop it really and Dio on my life. Uh, I didn't know that I said what did you say Mike I said and Dio pronounces it Rhea Perlman that's right <laughs> hey do you guys know Dio and then you probably know this Chris Dio came together like in Cortland New York for Mick Foley went to school. That's where they got together as a band. I mean, he's from Jersey, I think, but for some right. reason, when he left Black Sabbath, and he ended up here with, with uh, Jakey e. Lee and whoever the hell else started it with him. I can't remember. There's a bunch of good guys, and I don't know. I'm having brain fog, but yeah, that's what started a deal up around here. The band oh, you mean, became Badlands? You mean Vivian Campbell? That's what it started, I think, as, and then they became, what, what was it? Yeah, Vivian he, Campbell, you mean? He replaced Jakey e. Lee. I think they started it with Jakey e. Lee, and then Jakey e. left kind of soon after. That poor guy gets shit on about every, his whole legacy, because he's so good, but you know, everybody thinks to Randy Rhodes and stuff but he, yeah, he, so the weird thing with Jakey it's like first of all the albums that I'll make this quick so I do gotta go and Mike hates Ozzy um, Jakey Lee on Bark of the Moon and Ultimate Sin he's awesome he's very awesome he's a great guitarist and then he got fired or whatever and then yeah. he got no sorry he wanted more money you know you're fine go ahead I'm sorry I'm just agreeing he wanted more money yeah, yeah he wanted yeah. more money and then sure. he joined he did Badlands right and that would happen after that with yeah. uh, Ray Gillen and then he came back within like the last 10 years he started a new band and he they had like different singers at like every show because they kept having issues where the guy would quit or something it was really strange like they were they did one gig where Jake and the band was playing Ultimate Sin and the singer was singing like Thank God for the Bomb like it was ridiculous it's like what are you guys doing maybe he's so, a dick I don't know I, I, I'm not sure if he is or not but there must be a reason like he kind of gets pushed away from everything but he's very good sometimes people are their own worst enemies probably especially what's that he said he probably pissed Sharon off and once you cross the boss you're fucked he absolutely yeah, man. he was asking for more money and you don't Sharon's gonna Sharon man you don't fuck with her I'm not giving you anything 
Bang you, bitch. And Dio's wife wasn't any better because Vivian Campbell wanted more money too. And they showed him the door. And I don't know what happened there. Like, it, every, like Dio is one of my, between him and Halford, they're my favorite like metal vocalists of all time. The blue mind posted that 13 years. Holy shit. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? So, um, I'm going like, guitar player, though. I'm just saying. Because there's always a young gunslinger out there ready to oh, take sure. the call. Oh, absolutely. But I think I have a feeling because like Dio has looked back as a person is looked back on very fondly now because I think in his later years he was a very nice guy but I have a feeling back like in those early 80s like even when he was in Sabbath and maybe Rainbow too I think he probably was like a real douchebag taskmaster especially with somebody like Vivian Campbell that was young and didn't know any better I'm sure well, he wasn't behind, to him. wasn't he behind getting Bill Ward fired kind of? no Bill I'm Ward I think, mess, he, you know. I think I think Bill Ward quit but he was so messed up on um, alcohol at that point and plus Bill Ward didn't want to be in the band without Ozzy I thought yeah well I thought he quit and came back because he was a he was a wreck so either way whatever <laughs> probably grateful that he quit yeah but exactly and, and you know that he came back again Bill Ward came back when Ian Gillen was in the band yeah and, yeah. and I don't think he remembers that. from what I understand he doesn't remember recording any of that album like he doesn't remember any of it isn't that the really cover the, the Born Again or whatever the really awful cover that cover's terrible and there's like three good songs on that album yeah it's, it's got really, a couple really really good he got fucked recently too when they got back together that share see say happens man Sharon fucked him over at the end for what's yeah. it? They had Josh Home or something. Well, no, it wasn't Josh Home. Who was it? It was uh, Josh Freeze, who's a hell of a drummer. But yeah, man, they jerked Bill Ward around, and, and which is sad because him and Ozzy were good friends. So whatever the hell happened yep. at this last tour. But I love Bill Ward's drumming. He might not be the player. Phenomenal. So good. So good. phenomenal. That's the thing. Yeah. Zeppelin was pros, man. They were all professional studio guys. Amazing. I mean, Robert Plant was whatever, but Bottom technically too. But he, you know, they were all good. Like Sabbath was a good bar band. You know, they were yeah. like that style. So kind of so whatever. Sorry, Mike. Led Zeppelin's awesome. Sorry. Yeah. Back to ice cream real quick. I don't know if you guys, somebody else probably keeps up with this. I get emails from Bluebell. They have a new flavor. Dr. Oh. Pepper float. Oh. So I want to get that and then make a float with that and Dr. Pepper. And we'll see if that opens a hole in the space-time continuum or what. Exactly. <laughs> but I think it's going to be pretty fucking phenomenal. Man, I'll try that shit too, man. Speaking of sandwiches, I, I, I wanted to mention was uh, honorably and a throwback to the 80s to the uh, Italian sub from the Kmart Deli. Oh. Believe it not, back in the 80s, Kmart used to have a delicatessen wow. and a restaurant. Yeah. Wow. And their fucking sub sandwiches, whether it's just the ham sub, ham and cheese sub, or the Italian, which had the fucking finely shredded onions and the vinegar or whatever the oh, fuck they put in that God, thing. Are you serious? That sounds amazing. The Salisbury steak. Yeah, they had really good like restaurant food, too. And then it became a cafeteria, and then it yeah. just turned into like a fucking movie theater fucking snack bar. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. closed because of the internet. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. But yeah, those yeah. subs were the fucking truth, man. That's amazing. I got, I got one sub is hard uh, for the fucking Kmart subs, man. Kmart subs. Pour one out. Exactly. All right. I got to say goodbye, guys. We'll continue this another time because I have a lot on my mind. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, guys. Fun, Thank, thanks for being here, Chrissy. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Just let's... Top. All right. So before we get off here, let's, let's bring up today's hot topic debate in the group, and that is the Indiana Stromboli, which <laughs> I will go on record as saying is superior to the Philadelphia Stromboli. Yeah, when I looked up what a Philly Strom was, looks delicious. I'll eat one. Yeah, they're good. It's like a runs, like which is basically a like a traditional German calzone type sandwich. Yep, pocket like sandwich. Cornish pasty, whatever you want to say. It's it's dough with filling inside of it, and it's all wrapped up. The traditional Indiana Stromboli, though, from the, the hometown Pizza King, it's just like a, you know, like you said, you know, the bread is nice and soft, and basically it? just a pizza sandwich. 
you know, a basic pizza like sandwich. Casing like it is a Philadelphia Stugs. I've only had obviously out here. You know, don't have that kind. So is it like a breaded thing you're saying, like bread? <laughs> no, I didn't catch what you said. Are you talking about the Philly version or the Indiana version? I've only had the Philly version, you know, because East Coast stuff. But okay. the Indian fascinating. So I was wondering, is it like a? It's more like a breading, right, as opposed to the dough of the Philadelphia style. The Indiana version isn't. It's a sandwich. It's got like an actual uh, sub bun. I think like Pizza King and Arnie's. I think they make their own, similar to like they make the breadsticks. But it's very soft, pillowy bread. You take that. You put uh, tomato paste, mozzarella cheese, extremely finely ground sausage, chopped onion, and crushed red pepper. And then you bake the sandwich. Cheese gets all melty. It becomes a giant mess. It's fantastic. The exterior of the bread crisps up and it's nice and crunchy when you bite into it. I mean, it's perfect. And I would say behind the tenderloin, because the tenderloin is the clear number one sandwich of Indiana. Agreed. Mostly breaded, but grilled tenderloins are fantastic too. Do not sleep on those. Back to the babaloin. But I think next to that, it's either the stromboli or the Texas barbecue, which is the same same basic sandwich, but instead of pizza sauce, it's barbecue sauce. And every Pizza King, which is a major Indiana chain, every small town basically, mm-hmm. except Drew's, because his is a super small town. <laughs> but every small town, like there's one 10 minutes away from him, every small town has a Pizza King. And they're all, you know, independently owned. The only thing that they require is that you buy the product from them. You can set your own menu, add things to it that they don't, you know, that other places don't have, whatever. Yeah. But everybody has a, a Stromboli and a Texas barbecue. There's an offshoot company from Pizza King called Arnie's. Exact same food. Higher prices in some cases. Exact same food. Though they do have Arnie's Jr. Some, yes, they have the Arnie's Jr., which is the best chef salad you're going to find in a restaurant setting like that. In a, in a pizza place, you know, a cheap little pizza place. Um, fantastic homemade blue cheese dressing at Arnie's. But same kind of food. And then even your like independent local pizza places, a lot of them have a Stromboli because of how popular it is at Pizza King and at Arnie's because people want that sandwich so much. I mean, almost every diner, even a lot of pizza places around here sell tenderloins because they're so popular. And the Stromboli is very similar in that almost every local pizza place sells a Stromboli because everybody knows what it is and it's fantastic. Oh, when I get out there, I want to try both. I want the tenderloin sandwich so bad. Yeah. I want to get that Stromboli because that sounds pretty fucking dope. You come out this way and we'll hit, we can't do double lunch probably. We can do uh, <laughs> first and second dinner. We can do Bob and Connie's and we can do Pizza King. Okay. They're what, like four blocks apart maybe? Not even. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to remember what streets it's they were in The next block. Out, yeah, man. And the Pizza King, King actually has, a, you can eat buffet for lunch, man, every day. Pizza yep. Nine, I think it's $9 now. Oh, man, I would put a hurting on that. It's got sandwiches, salad, and pizza. And that's a totally different kind of pizza than you guys would have had there on the East Coast. It, it looks like Chicago tavern style because it's the square cut. So it's is it party cut, whatever. It's very thin, very, very thin. Oh, it's the thin. Whereas tavern, I'm sorry, ta- tavern style is like thin and crispy. Yep, I got you. Pizza, pizza King pizza is, it's thin crust, but it's soft. Oh, that sounds really good. Your edges sometimes can be crispy, but the toppings go all the way to the edge. It's there almost- is no crust to hold on to on the outside of the pizza, like a New York style, yeah. or like uh, Papa John's, whatever. Because New York sounds like, I mean, that sounds kind of like a New York, is it that in the fact that it's thin and soft. Like a lot of, the, but it's been, you know, obviously a big slice triangle usually, but that's how the Sicilian. And Pizza King cuts them into nice little squares. It's almost like. Bite size. It's about the same thing as like like putting a rich cracker with like all kinds of good shit on top of it. Sounds it's like really like one bite. They, pizza. They, they pile the topping. 
on. I mean, stuff just loaded on there. And they use the chopped cubed pepperoni, which yeah. next to like the cupping pepperoni that you get on Detroit pizza. Oh, yeah. Probably the next best or right there with the cupping pepperoni because of the way it spreads out and you cover the whole pizza and you get that delicious pepperoni grease yeah. across the whole damn thing. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, I still want to try one of those Philly style, though. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure there's probably a sandwich called Stromboli in North Dakota that's made from deer intestines or something. <laughs> I, I want to say it's the Screaming Sicilian brand, maybe, that has the Philly style Strombolis in, like, freezer section. Really? I'll have to check it out. I think. Let me look it up, but I'm almost positive that that's the brand I'm thinking of. And they're good. Like, I'm not discounting them or anything. They're delicious, but they're a calzone, basically. Yeah, they really are, in a Just way. Just a different shape, and they've got slits Old cut in the top of it. Yeah, sometimes you can get them like folded over pizza. You can get them like that style, but not like you're describing before with that, but it's just kind of like almost like an inside pizza. But yeah, like with the Philly style, it really kills them. I think the real argument is like that maybe it was invented there or something or I don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah, they made it and called it that or whatever. I think everybody's but, like about New York style pizza. I don't give a shit. Good pizza is good pizza. <laughs> I'm fucking fat. I live in the middle of fucking nowhere. I'll gladly take a sandwich made out of pizza over a regular pizza because that's all I can usually get around here is a fucking pizza. That's right. <laughs> right. I'm dropping a Walmart for the Screaming Sicilian Stromboli. And again, I've had those. They're good. Oh, yeah. Sicilian is a good frozen pizza brand if you haven't had it. Yeah, that, uh, they have the mustaches. Yep. Kids like yep. to wear those. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if the brick oven place of Brick City in Lutz, if they have Strombolis or not. I know they have calzones. I don't know. I saw on the map the other day, there's a Carabas right there, too. Yes, there is. Amy and Ashlyn ate there in November. I think they walked over and picked up carry out and brought it back, maybe. See, there's a brewery right across the highway, too. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but I think it's just a brewery. I don't think they have food or anything. On Lando Lakes Boulevard or whatever the hell that is. They have Strombolis. I think Travis got one, at least once. I think he's gotten a Stromboli from there. I got a calzone, and it was, like, way too much food <laughs> for lunch. I love it. I get the cheese one. It's just, like, two pounds of mozzarella and ricotta, and it's fantastic. I think generally... Yeah, the difference between Kelzone and Stromboli with the Philadelphia style is the Kelzone has ricotta in it, right? Whereas Stromboli. Right. So. Yeah. And that's going to wrap us up here for another great week at the other ship. We want to thank everybody for listening, no matter what time of day it is, time of night it is, you know, wherever you're listening. Thank you. Make sure you head over to Tee Public to grab yourself some T-shirts, stickers, pick something up. We're on sale, I think. Probably by the time this drops, we'll still be on sale. But even if it's not, go buy our stuff. There'll be another sale the next day. Yes. And we were rocking other ship shirts at the convention this weekend. I must say, it looks really good on blue, too. The other ship logo shirt looks really good on blue. It also looks good on a baby onesie, as model yeah. by my handsome son. Very true. So before we go this week, we have someone here to do a special plug for us. I'd like to welcome back your friend and mine, Jason D'Agostino, to talk about great show he's on and has been plugging us, so we're about to do the same. How you doing, Dags? Uh, hey, 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 hey. I just stole Howard Baum's gimmick. Um, <laughs> Coming soon. You can find me every other week on the Another Sports Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcast Addict, iTunes, Amazon, Audible, iHeartRadio, and Pandora, and I. Who, who knows where else? We're, we're everywhere, man. And they are number four in Sri Lanka this week. They are. <laughs> They're all Go. about that episode from two years ago where we spoke about fireball soccer. Shit, that's a like real. It's a real obscure sport, actually. Really? 
Yes, uh, it takes, I forget where the village is, but it takes place in the village. It's part of their a yearly celebration where they light a coconut on fire and play soccer with it. And there is video of it on YouTube if you want to check it out. Uh, it's very interesting. We also want to give a plug to our friend Jamie Ward and Ray Russell and Roman Gomez as they run through 81 Georgia Championship Wrestling and 86 Mid-South on the Regional Wrestling Show. Find them wherever you get your podcasts or at WrestleCopia.com. Both shows are fantastic. You will learn things you, you didn't even realize took place in those time periods. Ray does an excellent job of researching and bringing out every little detail you could possibly imagine. And Jamie and Roman add so much to the discussion. So check them out. Totally agreed. It's incredible. Uh, the 81 Georgia stuff is like a treasure trove for people like me who have no idea what was going on. Jamie's been a huge supporter. And again, another shout out to all of our new listeners. Thanks for supporting us. You know, Tim, Steve, Ron, uh, Ron, Ron, Boss Gardner, the MVP. Yes. Of and everybody that's come across because of them or you know, we'll continue to come to the show. Thank you guys. You guys make this all worthwhile. I mean, we're just a couple of guys having fun and you guys make it all worthwhile with your support. Join the Facebook group. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're not in the Facebook group, I wonder, but that's okay. Also, don't forget to check out the Josephines. You can find all of their social media links in the episode description every week. And they are very gracious and allow us to use their music each and every episode. This week, we are going to leave you here with the song Maggie's Bones off of their album, Cocaine or Cowboys. Check it out. Great album, top to bottom. And they recently just got some airplay on WCKM with Benji Fido on his Saturday night show. Check him out. You can download the WCKM app or you can find them online to listen to Benji's show. It's a call-in show on Saturday nights. You can request your favorites and check him out. Benji's a great guy. Yes. And Benji, we have forgiven you for hiding Antonio's face in that one photo. It's okay, buddy. I promise. <laughs> we'll be back next week. See you guys then. Peace out. Thank you. Still, if I lay still, won't you bury me?